This is Winnipeg Sports Talk Daily with Andrew Hustler-Patterson and Michael Remus. Hey, what's going on, folks? Welcome to another edition of Winnipeg Sports Talk Daily. Oh, man, tough one last night for the Winnipeg Jets at, on home ice at Canada Life Center, dropping a 4-2 decision to the Minnesota Wild in a team in a game where, for the most part, they thoroughly outplayed their opponents. But a number of things conspired to uh, have the home team once again on the wrong side of the ledger and a very costly, costly loss for the Winnipeg Jets as the Calgary Flames now just four points back with even games and Nashville six back with four games in hand. Um, this playoff race is on right now, and unfortunately, the Winnipeg Jets are uh, having a real tough time putting up points in the standings. We'll get to all of it. Sean Reynolds is going to jump on with us. We'll also have Brandon Rewicki. Um, and we will talk a little ice today. This is going to be a lot of fun. We're going to have Zach Benson, top draft prospect from the ice, second leading scorer in the Western Hockey League, um, and a young man that's going to hear his name called in the first few picks of the draft in Nashville coming up in a couple of months. So we'll have Zach Benson on the program as well. We'll also check in and get Sean McIndoo from the athletics thoughts on the Winnipeg Jets, as well as the landscape of the uh, National Hockey League as we get closer to the Stanley Cup tournament. So it should be a great show. Sh great to have you all with us. Um, welcome everyone live with us on YouTube right now. If you haven't already, you're finding the show afterwards, make sure to hit that red subscribe button and join us on the reg 1 p.m. Central Time here in Winnipeg. And of course, shout out to all the podcast listeners as well. Uh, if you are finding us on YouTube, search Winnipeg Sports Talk wherever you get your favorite pods and make sure you're subscribing to the audio feed as well. And for you podcast listeners, when you get a chance, check out what we've got going on on YouTube. Um, so a packed show today, lots to dissect from last night's game. Uh, before we do that, though, a big thanks to the sponsors that make this show happen each and every day. Princess Auto, Cool Bet Canada, Little Brown Jug, Vita Health Fresh Market, Culligan Water, Canadian Club, Whiskey, Wallace & Wallace, Consolidated Supply, F Apparel, Manitoba Battery, the Nick & Nicky DQ Group, Boston Pizza, Royal Sports, and uh, well, plenty of ammo for a why not question of the day today as well for our friends over at Not Auto Corp. Michael Remus, get in here. What's going on? Yeah, feeling okay, us. I mean, the weather is getting warm. We're getting closer to playoff hockey. But now I think the le concerns are legitimate if we're going to be experiencing it here. Two, nine, and two in their last 11 games. Um, I don't know. Like you and I, we talked before. Uh, it's, I mean, you can't really be too upset with the way the Jets played yesterday. But you needed a win, and they didn't get it. And, oh, yeah, Marc-Andre Fleury gave everyone PTSD. Oh my from God. the from the 2018 uh, Western Conference Finals, like I was like I had physical like pain from watching this, and then hearing Sean Reynolds bring it up, Jets fans. Was here's Reynolds on the broadcast. You can ask him. He's like, ah, oh, Jets fans are still hurting from that 2018. I'm like, thanks, thanks, Sean, for pointing that out. Well, it's funny that everyone. Sean mentioned that on the broadcast because that's exactly what we were talking about in 316 last night watching the game. I mean, it was. I don't want to say it was deja vu, but I mean, it It was pretty easy Wait. to get back to that point, remembering, you know, the way the Jets played at times and just how Marc-Andre Fleury stood on his head. And listen, there were some saves last night that 
I don't think he even knew how he made them. Um, listen, I think you got to have a little bit of luck to be good, and you got to be good to be lucky. And certainly, Marc Andre Fleury was that last night. Um, but it's uh, kind of a microcosm of a bigger issue right now with the Winnipeg Jets, where uh, if one thing goes well, something else, you know, holds the team back. And um, I, I mean, right off the bat, I mean, and then we'll hear from Rick Bonus in a minute because uh, I mean, Bones did have lots to say about the uh, about the game, and I think he was being very positive afterwards because he did love the way his team played for the most part at five on five. The power play is still killing this team right now. We did not see much improvement in that yesterday. And unfortunately, Connor Hellebuck led in an absolute stinker that ended up being the winning goal last night. And, um, you know, sometimes when things are going well for a hockey club, um, you know, you can get away with some mistakes. And at times, like right now, where the Winnipeg Jets are really struggling, even, you know, uncharacteristic mistakes can end up being uh, blown up and end up being the difference between winning and losing. And, uh, you know, there were uh, players last night that put on a brave face. I mean, I don't think there's going to be any quit in this team. They certainly didn't quit last night. Uh, but that was a really, really bitter pill to swallow for uh, certainly for the fans in attendance. And uh, I would imagine for the guys inside that locker room as well. Yeah, well, you said deja vu. Like, are you mean deja vu from the 2018 Western Conference Final? Deja vu from the 2019 second half collapse? Deja vu from last season, which had pretty much the same team that didn't make the playoffs? Which one, Hustler? All Or was it D, all of the above? <laughs> well, the way, when you put it that way, I think you can make an argument that it is D, all of the above. Last night in particular, it was Marc-Andre Fleury and... Yeah, and the I Jets, care. I would have bonus say 82 shot attempts on, on yeah. net. I mean, they outshot them. What was it? Two to one, um, you know, over the course of the game. And, and you know, we're relentless in trying to, you know, continue to put pucks on net, which they did a far better job of last night than they'd done. And it was certainly over the last little while. They had a lot of shots on in, in San Jose as well, or against San Jose when James Reimer was one of the stars of the game. Um, but you know, just, uh, and I'm sure fans are feeling this right now when things aren't going well, you need a break. And, um, unfortunately the breaks went against the Winnipeg Jets last night in particular with that third goal. And I did say to uh, the guys I was sitting with last night, if this team can find a way in the second half of that hockey game to generate a couple goals and to find a way to come out with a win, I think Connor Hellebuck steps up and steals at least one on this upcoming road trip. Uh, unfortunately, that didn't happen. And Hellebuck and the entire club have a lot of work to do as they hit the road to take on the Panthers, the Lightning, the Carolina Hurricanes before coming back to to, to play the, uh, the Boston Bruins. And um, don't look now, but the Calgary Flames in particular have a... Uh, couple favorable matchups on the schedule over the next little while that the Winnipeg Jets don't have. And uh, this is, I mean, for everyone that said this team had already made the playoffs, uh, that is incorrect, folks. <laughs> this is going to be a dogfight going right down to the end. And, uh, you know, unfortunately, last night was, um, you know, in, in a lot of ways an example of things that just aren't happening for the Winnipeg Jets right now. And uh, it's uh, it, it, it is a very stressful situation for people that love this hockey team. I'll tell you that much. Yeah, and I think a lot of it is the st hot start they had gave us these heightened expectations. And you know, you thought you were watching a first place team. You know, halfway through the season, we're talking about Bones, Coach of the Year. I mean, what an incredible turnaround! And 
here we are kind of back at square one. I know it seems like doom and gloom with the way that they've played in the last stretch. And I think I said two, uh, nine and two, which in the last 11, but that's actually 13 games. Um, anyways, was it two wins in the last? In the, I forget what it is, but I'm looking. I can't do this quick math. But two two in wins last in the 12. last 11. In the last 11, there's one overtime, one shootout loss in there, and one overtime. So two, seven, and two. My bad. Anyways, forget about math, but. Um, you know, look, they're still in a playoff spot. They can, if they, you know, their playoff percentages on Money Puck and all those sites that calculate has kind of dropped. You know, was that 90% before is now it's 70 and it feels like we're kind of watching them sink into quicksand here. However, if they keep playing like they played yesterday, they can pull themselves out of it. But I think it's hard to be optimistic when you just seemingly nothing's working. The power play continues to not score over three yesterday. They're getting goal lead by James Reimer and Marc-Andre Fleury when they are playing well. And it's funny, the game the game that they did win was the game that Hellebuck had 50 saves and they played terrible against the Rangers. So, I mean, hockey's a weird game and, you know, someone was... It's just amazing, the game yesterday where, you know, you think you're coming in within one to come back and then Hartman goes in and scores that goal on Hellebuck through his legs, which he stops. Well, I looked on, on Money Puck. That goal, the expected goal of that was like 2.5%. And uh, I take I mean, the under on that. I think yeah. you have that th shot go, you know, a hundred times. Yeah. It might go in once. Once. Yeah. Last night was that so one. So that would time. be one. That would be, yeah, that would be one, 1% instead of the 2.5. But uh, I agree with you. I mean, it's, it's a tough one. They, you know, they played well, had a lot of chances. But again, Mark Andre Fleury shutting the door and. Uh, I follow Alan Walsh on Twitter, and he would not shut up yet last night about oh Marc-Andre Fleury and his, his performance. Blocktober. Welcome to Blocktober, Alan Walsh. Can I, can I handle any of that? Um, you know, there were a couple things that we expected to see last night, um, you know, including sort of a shift around in the power play. It didn't really come to fruition. But one thing I will say is that they, the coaching staff did a better job of splitting up the time between the two units. Um, I think it was pretty much even last night, and that hadn't been the case as of late. I'll tell you what, I like Nikolai Ehlers' game as well. I thought Ehlers was more impactful. I thought he was playing with a little bit more, uh, I shouldn't say playing with a little bit more drive, just seemingly a little bit more successful, a little bit more aggressive in the offensive zone, like many of his teammates were with getting the pucks on net. Um, there was a ton of chaos. There was traffic around the net. Those are the areas. That's exactly what Rick Bonus is trying to do. And you know, that's part of the reason why I think Bones that last night after the game was emphatic about the way that his team played. And if they do that, they will get wins and they will be a playoff team. Unfortunately, they're moving up a couple weight classes with these teams that they're playing over the next little while, starting with a desperate Florida team and then Tampa. Uh, Carolina and Boston, three of the top Stanley Cup contenders. And there's no guarantees. Even if you do play the way you did last night, you're going to get these results. And uh, there's a lot of things that haven't been going well for the Winnipeg Jets. You just got to hope that something happens to turn it around and they can get a little bit of momentum and go forward. I joke with you after the game that we're almost in. The Jets could almost start playing a nobody believes in us narrative because I think there's a lot of people that – have sort of, I don't want to say written the team off, but are almost feeling like there is impending doom around the corner every time this team plays a hockey game. And it is important to note that, you know, there still is a lot of games left to be played, but that's part of the reason why it's so urgent to 
generate some points in the standings because teams like Calgary and Nashville are making it very interesting right now. And this is going to be a dogfight right down to game number 82 for this team. Yeah, and I think before, you know, when they were losing, the process was bad and the results were bad. And I thought the process was good last night, but the results were were not good. I mean, you outshot them, you outplayed them. Um, it was Mark Andre. It was a goal, basically a goaltending battle where Mark Andre Fleury was better than Hellebuck. He stopped everything, and Hellebuck, you know, he let the one in that you like to have back. But uh, I think it's a bit of both. And also the Jets' power play too is just continue not getting it done. O for three, um, and I don't know what you what you do. They tried switch, switching up in the morning uh, with Connor and Shifley switching sides, but I don't think that really took. You know, and it is interesting watching them first power play, like, you know, the puck gets cleared and they struggle to bring it in. Then on the second power play, Nikolai Ehlers just, you know, zips it into, you have to wonder, with you know, got to get him some more power play time, like figure out a way. The other was a great video on our channel with you and Murat just talking about his season. If you want to uh, come to our channel and look at your conversation from yesterday's show, but nice deep dive there. I do wonder if, you know, they look to get him more play. We tell you, we did talk a lot about him this week. Um, and Logan Stanley as well. We haven't really touched on him. He gets into the lineup and scores. And it is kind of funny. This is rotating defense. Capobianco goes in for a game for Schmidt. He scores. Then Capobianco's sick. So Schmidt goes back in. He scores. You know, Stanley goes in for Sandberg and Stanley scores. So I don't know what the play is. Does someone come out next game? Is someone's turn to sit and you put back in uh, Capobianco or, or Sandberg? I guess he hasn't scored yet. He hasn't scored in this rotation period. So maybe he goes in and, I don't know, does someone else uh, get a rest? Yeah, uh, you know, it's kind of funny that you bring that up. I mean, that's another thing that's so crushing about the result is that, I mean, you know, they we've talked a lot about, oh, they're not getting any depth scoring and the scoring from the defense has dried up. And, you know, you have those sort of contributions and um, unfortunately it doesn't end up with two points in the uh, – in the uh, in the win column i'll say this um you know i think we've seen hellebuck bounce back from performances like this in the past and i really thought that he was going to have one of his best games yesterday he had three days off they played dave against the uh, against the san jose sharks but unfortunately it's impossible to sugarcoat how much of a killer goal that was for a team that you know just I'm not going to say that they're lacking confidence right now, but uh, certainly offensively, I think that they are. They did all those things that, you know, the coaches are beating them over the head to do it, shoot the puck, get into those areas. Uh, But yes, it did feel a little bit like the uh, spring of 2018 last night with Marc-Andre Fleury standing on his head and um, (laughs) stopping 46 of 48 shots last night. Um, On a positive note, Nito Niederreiter continues to step up. I thought he and Nemesnikov both looked really good last night, Remo, and uh, you know, the the new guys have been there. It it comes down to something that we've been talking about for the last little while. I mean, needing the best players on this Winnipeg Jets to step up and be more productive. Mark Shifley, Kyle Connor. I did think Nikolai Ehlers, you know, had a much more dangerous game last night offensively. And then to top it all off, Pierre-Luc Dubois is out and Reem... We knew that he was going to be a game time decision last night. He wasn't out for the uh, for the skate beforehand for the warmups. Did not play in the game last night, and we heard from Rick Bonus afterwards that you know he was day to day with the lower body injury last week. Well, he's now got an upper body injury from last game, 
and he will not be traveling with the team out to Florida. So the challenges just keep getting bigger as the Jets go into uh, one of the most difficult points of their entire season, somewhat in free fall in the standings. Yeah, just a couple things. Uh, Nita Ryder, I mean, this guy's been awesome uh, since coming in. Uh, great goal yesterday. Just, again, getting to the front of the net. Uh, puck goes there, and he hammers it in, like, right in front of uh, right in front of Flurry. And, you know, since here in five games, has two goals, two assists. Nemesnikov, he's got two assists. The new guys uh, coming in, making an impact. And it was Nemesnikov moving to center um, in place of Dubois. He played 17 minutes and I do wonder what happens with Dubois I mean you kind of need this guy uh you know the fact that he's not starting the trip with them you wonder do they bring him in mid-trip they do need to win games so maybe it works but um you know I you well, thought maybe that, did they bring him back too early but it's another a different injury uh that came so I mean that's that's a rough situation and just yeah just as far as the game I mean you you got you're playing so well you give up the first goal and you go you go down two nothing and you get it back right away with Stanley, but for basically for pretty much a minute later, Hartman to go and score that kind of goal, you're down two goals again. Pretty deflate, pretty deflating. Um, I know Niederreiter did score, and they had the whole third period. They had power play chances. Um, just uh, that was a tough one to lose. Like you can't, get, you just got to be like, uh, I don't know, like, <laughs> got to throw your hat. Like they played so, played so well. Like you hadn't played, done that to a team in a while. Yeah, and I they know showed that. up, they played desperate, yeah. they played with a sense of urgency, and it didn't go their way. And I guess you can live with that a lot more. And well, let's get to Rick Bonus because I think Bonus was pretty emphatic after the game um, that he loved the way that his team played, and if they can continue to do that night in and night out, the results will come. They didn't come last night, and you know, for a team that is so desperately needing some something good and some good reinforcements, um, as I said, very tough pill to swallow. But Bones took the podium after the game and uh, was very clear that he thought that was one of the best games that his team had played all season long. One of the best games we've played all year. Dominated the game. 82 shot attempts. I don't know if we've done that this year. Um, lots of scoring chances. Fleury was outstanding. A lot of loose pucks we couldn't get our stick to, but... That's one of the best games we've played all year. So we play like that. We'll, we'll take it. Some nights, uh, you know, you just don't get any puck luck. And right now, we're not getting any puck luck. But I'll take that effort the way we played tonight against anybody all year. You usually tell us, you tell us what you tell them. So have you just come to I just maybe? told them the same thing. Play like that. We'll find. We'll, we'll work our way. We got to do it the hard way. We're going to have to do it the hard way. We got to win some games on the road. But the most important thing is to keep the effort and play like we did tonight. That's the most important thing. Eventually, that that puck's going to go in. We've seen uh, two games in a row that we dominated the game and lost by a goal. Um, that's hockey. That is hockey, and uh, um, and you know. I'll, and I guess we'll agree, we're going to see this again, a similar situation, you know, with the Jets taking on teams that have played the night before. I believe the Blackhawks are in Tampa uh, to play the Lightning before they play, or actually, and the same thing, they're playing the um, uh, the Panthers the night before the Jets play uh, play Florida to start off this road trip on uh, on Saturday. Um, is the one thing I will say this, Remo, that wild team looked nothing like the team that really had their way with the Winnipeg Jets earlier this season. Um, they looked like a team that had traveled overnight and had a, an absolute, you know, a slugfest for 65 minutes with the Calgary Flames the night before. 
Yeah, and I see a lot of people saying in chat, well, you know, the Minnesota was tired from the previous night's game. Well, I mean, how many times have the Jets played teams where they played the night before and it was the Jets that came out looking like the team that played the night before? So, um, I don't know, they played well. And, yeah, Minnesota didn't, I mean, we talked about yesterday how just they been struggling to score goals, but they also give up a lot. Uh, the over was set at, I guess they did get the what empty netter there. It was yeah, yeah. It, it did hit the over uh, six. The line was five and a half, but I think we thought it was going to be a low scoring game. Definitely was tight checking. I'll have to see what happens with Minnesota going forward. A lot of concern there with Kirill Kaprizov, and when he left the game from you know after Logan Stanley Bonsai dropped him. So <laughs> what a description. Well, I mean, I don't know Minnesota fans. Uh, extremely upset with Logan Stanley, understandably, but I thought it was just a unfortunate incident uh, from from a hit. So let's uh, hear a little bit more from Bones. Uh, here's uh, let's go to clip number two. It's just a little short one from uh, Bones with a little more on last night's game. We held out the team to under uh, ten scoring chances. They're a good hockey team over there. They didn't get anything right. They they got a couple chances that went in. We had a lot of great A's that didn't go in. All right, so uh, Bones uh, with a little bit more, uh, another comment on uh, last night's game. The one thing that I mentioned that has just not been going and is, you know, at times sucked the life out of the Winnipeg Jets is the power play. I mean, last night at times, you were, the team was doing so well at 5-on-5, five five, you know, almost thought that you wouldn't mind just to keep it at 5-on-5, five five, which is insane, um, but that's where things are at. Uh, Bones talked about the power play uh, after the game last night. What do you make of the power play again? It looks like a night where we're just thinking, like, if they get one, things they just got to get one. Yeah, yeah. They had a couple of shots, but not enough. Be six minutes of that. We need to generate more offense. When they're not able to open up the defense as much on the power play, is that feet not moving? Is that puck not moving? Like, how do you both? Like, got to move the feet. You got to move the puck. You know, they they jam up around the front of the net so they're you, you, sometimes when it comes to the point you're lucky you don't see anything because they're all right there uh pucks just got to move quicker it's as simple as that and then we just got to be ready to shoot it and have a net presence and we can't bobble pucks um yeah there's up uh, bones and you know you mentioned i mean there are some things that continue to be an issue for this club and it's, it's execution uh and, and i'm not sure Reem, that there is a better example of that then in the final minute, with the goalie pulled, I mean, a pass that, you know, 99 times out of 100 is on Mark Shifley's stick. They take it. They do something with it. Um, goes over the stick. And the next thing you know, the puck is in the back of the net and uh, people are heading for the stands. Yeah, I, I was going to bring that up, too. They were passing it around and thought they were going to make a play. It was just a pass. Of, I don't know what bounced over the stick, bounced off his stick. But it seemed like it was on there. And next thing you know, the game was over just when you thought the Jets were going to make their comeback. So, um, I mean, a real, just, uh, you, you thought it was the game where, you know, they keep pressing and they finally score and score in overtime, but wasn't the case. And you know, Marc-Andre Fleury just gave us all, again, um, reminders of the 2018 Western Conference final. I'm sorry to bring it up, but, like, you can't, you no, can't well, It's funny that Randy talked about it on the broadcast because I said the exact same thing sitting in the stands last night. As the game went on, I, I do want to play one more clip though before we bring Sean in. Remo, fire up uh, number six if you can. And uh, 
Bone was just asked about his concern about the state of the team heading into uh, this final stretch to try to hold on to this playoff spot that they've been in all year. We know where we know where we're up against. We're still sitting in a playoff spot. Those other teams still have to win games to catch us, but we have to play like that, and we have to play like that every night. And if you play like that every night, there's no way there's, the puck's not going to go in. Uh, not with 82 shot attempts and 20 something scoring chances. Um, we, the, 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 yeah, so we, we just have to play like that. We know we're up, we're up against. We haven't lost that eighth spot right now, so we have to fight to keep it. All right, so there's Rick Bonus. We're going to talk about it with Rennie and uh, Brendan Rowicki as well. Zach Benson coming up later on from the Winnipeg Ice. We will have a chance to win some tickets for a big game for the ice coming up on Friday. Sean McAdoo from The Athletic as well. Um, great to see Jet Oil Tom in chat say that he had a great experience getting a battery from uh, Donnie and the gang down at Manitoba Battery earlier. And uh, there was obviously the... Comments about the Jets maybe needing a battery change right now, but um, that certainly wasn't the issue last night. Bottom line is, if you want the uh, best priced and the most convenient service in town for a battery for your car, your truck, or that summer toy you're working on right now, Manitoba Battery is the place. You can give them a buzz right in lunchtime or even when we go on the air and have it sitting on your doorstep in two to four hours for less than you'd pay at the big box stores. Don't be wasting your time at Costco or Canadian Tire, spending money on the big national brands. Shop local and get it delivered to you for the best price in town at Manitoba Battery. You can give them a call at 783-8787 or order online at manitobabattery.com. And tell them the boys at Winnipeg Sports Talk sent you. Um, we are talking about the playoffs. Um, hopefully, although we're getting some snow this weekend, it will melt at some point. And we'll be ready to uh, get out on the uh, golf courses and, of course, into beautiful backyards and uh, properties around. And Consolidated Supply is ready for spring, working with the entire golf industry as the leaders in artificial turf and irrigation products. And, of course, golf carts as well. If you have any need for a golf cart, they are the club car dealer here in Manitoba. Also got great hot tub spas, outdoor kitchen options as well, and they are the first choice for engine parts and small engine repair. Find out more on what Consolidated Supply can do for you online at cte.ca or pop by and see the guys over at uh, 1395 Niaqua Road East. And uh, don't forget, gang, Wallace and Wallace welcomes you to uh, nominate someone in your life for the Unsung Hero Award. Send us an email to unsunghero at winnipegsportstalk.com. Let us know about that person in your life or in your community that is helping others with, um, you know, de- donating hours and volunteering, whether it be in charity work, co- uh, community work, minor sports. would love to hear about it. The Unsung Hero for each month gets an autographed jersey from Jets All-Star defenseman Josh Morrissey. Wallace and Wallace will donate $500 in the name of the nominator from WST to the Dream Factory, and Josh and Margot Morrissey are going to match that as well. So um, unsung hero at winnipegsportstalk.com. Get them in for a February unsung hero. All right, let's get the Ren Dog in here. We've got uh, lots to get to from last night's game. Rennie, um <laughs> I enjoyed the conversation you and Ken had afterwards because I think like many people, you're almost, uh, it, it's hard to believe the way things are going right now for this hockey club. Um, and listen, they found different ways to lose. I mean, I don't think anyone has a question about the 
energy that they brought last night, how hard they they worked. Um, but man, when things are not going well for a team, you find different ways of losing. And uh, Connor Hellebuck letting in a stinker that he never lets in as the winning goal. I mean, just another way the Jets found themselves on the wrong side of the ledger. How did you see it? Uh, very similar to that. First of all, I got to say, I love the Cypress Hill reference. Uh, good stuff there, the Ren Dog. That's uh, well played, my friend. That's some uh, 90s retro going on there. Uh, Big yeah, Cypress Hill I, guys, you can imagine. Yeah, <laughs> um, uh, yeah I, I, I got to say, uh, I, I mean, we talked about this earlier on. I, I find it so fascinating that what's happening to the Jets right now is essentially what the Jets – um, we're doing the teams earlier on in the season. Like it's the jets that allow 40 some odd shots and only put up 20 some odd shots and win the game. That's what they do. It's the jets who go out and get outplayed, but you know, Connor Hellebuck goes and goalies the other team and they come away with two points. That's what we've seen so far this year. I mean, I guess if there's solace to be taken in it is back at that time where that was happening with the jets. And I kept kind of, sounding the alarm bell and saying this is not the way this is not the way that you you build a playoff team and a playoff style game and 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 be a competitive team with the best teams in the league you do it the opposite way you're almost better off losing those games and playing right uh than you are winning them now i know that doesn't sound very good at this time of year when when the jets need a win and need some points and all of a sudden the idea that the jets could potentially fall out of the playoffs seemed impossible just even a couple of weeks ago, and now all of a sudden, it's it looks like it's heading in that direction if they don't change things here. The style of game that they played yesterday, I, I agree entirely with the clip that you played of Rick Bonus. Like, even if they're not clicking, even if they're not feeling chemistry, and I don't think they're feeling chemistry right now, you throw that many shots towards a team, you own the percentage of play that they owned against that team. <clears throat> You're going to start winning those games. And I think it's better off that the Jets look like a team that's rounding into form the way that they have over the last two games and not get results than you are to get the empty calorie wins like that. You know, before the last win that they had, the previous one was the New York Rangers. That was an empty calorie win, a game in which they got caved in and found a way to win. It was the opposite of what we saw last night. If they can replicate, and that's the big question, because I think the one thing that worries me most about this team is their inability to seemingly find consistency in effort and in play and all these different kind of things. And what that reminds me of is it reminds me of the Jets down the stretch last season when they missed the playoffs. But if they can go out and find the same effort that they found last night, the same style of play as they found last night, the same push, uh, I'm very confident that that's a game that carries the Jets into the playoffs. Yeah, um, and and listen, I don't blame at all Bones for coming out and kind of having his teams back right now because when when you're having a crisis of confidence, which I really do think that this team is having, and some players more than others, you do need to reinforce the good things that the team is doing, and they did a lot of them last night, and to be honest, with the situation this team is, that's probably what made it that much more of a bitter pill for everyone inside that locker room to lose that game when you think of the things that conspired to have them on the wrong end of the scoreboard. Yeah, but I mean, if I were them, this is the way I'd take it. Like, again, we, I, I ran it earlier in the season when the Jets were at about, you know, close to 30 wins or, or, or something like that. But we ran it in one of our, we crunched the numbers. We've got, you know, we deal with Sport Logic, who, dives right into these things 
the Jets, of all the wins that they had, they were getting outshot in, in close to half of them, right? And I know shots don't mean everything, but then inner slot shots, they were getting... Uh, they, they were losing that battle by a significant margin in wins, but you know, by in like every three games, right? And it was the same thing in in high quality scoring chances. All these different kind of metrics. So the Jets have been on the other side of this before, and I guess I would say this: if the Jets are a team that can look at a game last night after being the team that did what Minnesota did to them last night, after being that team so often in the year, if they can't look at that and say, listen, we've been on the other side of this. We know what it's like to steal a game that we probably shouldn't have got. Then they should be able to look at it from this side of it and say, listen, we know that we should have won that game. The deserve to win a meter needle broke off in our favor in that game last night. We just got to keep doing that. We just got to keep going in that direction. If they can't see that that's the way, then to be honest, they probably don't deserve to be a playoff team. Yeah, well, listen, as far as last night goes, I mean, goaltending, I'm not going to sit here and say goaltending is a problem. It's probably the biggest strength of this club. That's going to happen once or twice this season. It was just a horrible, horrible time for it to happen. But, Sean, the power play is killing this team right now. Yes. I mean, and last night, I'm sure you felt it. I I mean, they're literally, they were playing so well at five on five, and then you have a power play where they can't really get set up. And it sucks a lot of the life out of the momentum that the team had right now. I mean, there's a negative implication to not succeeding and not creating much on the power play. And last night, it was there, but that's been the case for you know, a few weeks right now. And I mean, it's another big reason why this team uh, is not getting the results that they need right now to stay where they're at. Well, especially at this time of year when goals get harder and harder to come by. Like now we're seeing, you saw that from that Minnesota wild team. It was interesting. I don't know how many people were watching the broadcast and saw the interview um, that I did in the second intermission, but, but Ryan Hartman came out and basically said, we stink. We're playing terrible. This is a terrible game. This is not us. Um, And they knew it, right? But one thing that this team knows uh, is that it knows how to clamp things down. Like you saw the stats, their ability to close out games with a lead going into the third period is ridiculous. And that's what we saw from that team. They came out in the third period. They just clamped everything right down, went through to win the game. That's how they get it done. But... At this time of year when five-on-five goals are so hard to come by, that's when you need to be able to leverage your power play. That's when your power play can really start truly being the difference between winning and losing a game. Now, the one thing that I'll always couch this with is the Jets' penalty kill is so good. I mean, imagine where this team would be throughout this year if their penalty kill wasn't as good as it is. And and that's, to me, kind of the trade-off. I still do think that, yeah, you got to get scoring on that power play. It's crazy frustrating, I'm sure, uh, for this coaching staff who are asking the Jets to do one thing and they're coming out in the game and it doesn't look like they're doing it. It looks like they're doing something entirely different. I can imagine, I get the sense that they're pulling their hair out with this. Uh, I get it. Um, But I still do think you can't excuse away the idea that the Jets should be looking at their team and saying, what we need to do is we need to be a five-on-five monster. We need to be able to go out night in and night out and win that five-on-five battle and not necessarily leave it up to the power play uh, because in the you, you can't necessarily count on that going into the playoffs. So I, I, I think it's a massive problem. You're right, it's a massive problem. 
But I, I do not look at it and say it is the problem for this team. Yes, they could be winning games. Yes, they're leaving points uh, on the table because of it. So by that analysis, it, it's huge when points suddenly matter so much. But the long and the short of this is for the entire season on a team that's got names like Kyle Connor and Pierre-Luc Dubois and Nick Ehlers and Mark Scheifele, this team has not been a very good five-on-five team throughout the year, and that should be its strength. Uh, and, and I still do think that that needs to be its strength down this last final stretch here to get them into the playoffs. No, you listen, you make a good point about the penalty kill, but, um, you know, special teams is uh, like the difference between winning and losing often in this salary cap world is so razor thin. And if one of your special teams units is really dragging you down, that is going to show itself over the long haul in the standings right now. And certainly this power play needs a bit of a shakeup. Are you surprised that they haven't changed the personnel a little bit more? I mean, I, I like Nikolai Ehlers' game last night. I thought he was far more dangerous than he's been before, more aggressive. He continues to get pucks on net and create things. Is it time that they move back and really shake things up? I mean, let's not forget that Ehlers started this season on the top line and on the top power play. And uh, I think you can make an argument right now with how stale the number one unit is right now. It could probably use a different look, and it could definitely use more Nikolai Ehlers. Well, I, the crazy part for me is the last time that it looked really good is when they moved Nick Ehlers up onto that top unit and he scored one of those goals where he picked it up off the wall, skated in and just ripped it home. And and then shortly after that, he was off the power play. I don't get it. I've said numerous times I don't understand what's happening here with the usage of Nikolai Ehlers' ice time. Every time we ask the coaches about it, there's some kind of new explanation of something that happened with someone else on the team that created a domino effect that took the ice time away from Nick Ehlers at this stage. I I think the way I'd be looking at it is, well, then why is it not at the, you know, you're still making a choice. If there's a domino effect that's taking ice time away from offensive players, then, then why isn't it Kyle Connor on a night when Kyle Connor doesn't seem to be going? Or why is it not Blake Wheeler on a night where Blake Wheeler, you know, doesn't seem to have his legs and is taking penalties that hurt the team? Why is it not Pierre-Luc Dubois on games where he just doesn't seem to be up to that energy level they need him at? It just always seems like once the dominoes start falling, they always lead to Nick Ehlers and, and ice time taken away from him and power play time. I mean, I couldn't agree more, and and I'll be honest. I don't understand it. The question has been asked. I know that the I know that the audience is frustrated. I know that the analytics community is extremely frustrated, and I know that people are screaming at us, saying, "Do your job and ask the question." Here's the deal: we've been asking the question over and over and over again, uh, and and it just keeps coming back to the same thing that you know. Well, this happened, that happened. There's never a direct answer that says, "Look, we don't have Nick Ehlers where we have." Mark Scheifele or Kyle Connor or Pierre-Luc Dubois or at this stage even Nino Niederreiter. We don't have him there. We don't have him in that esteem. Uh, and that's why he's the one who's, you know, getting taken away here. I, 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 have, I wish I had an answer. We don't have an answer. Uh, Nikolai Ehlers is a player that when he's at the top of his game and flying, he's extremely dangerous. Uh, we haven't seen it a lot as of late and uh you got to wonder how much of that has to do in rhythm I, I think i've talked about it on this show before i'm a big believer when it comes to star players of keeping those players in rhythm and that when you when you see them not 
doing what you expect them to do, one of the first things that you can kind of check is the rhythm. How often do we get them out there? How often do we give them these certain kind of opportunities? Nick Ehlers has definitely not had the opportunities that the other players in the top six have had. uh, And I think it's affected his game adversely. Well, and here's the thing. I mean, like, I'm not sitting here stumping that anybody's owed anything, but... The bottom line is the power play hasn't been getting it done. And, you know, it was interesting to see it was far more even split of the power play ice time last night between the two units. Um, But honestly, when you're banging your head against the wall for the amount of time that this Jets power play has been, I'm stunned, frankly, that there hasn't been some more significant shakeups to the personnel. Uh, Listen, I know Niederreiter has come in and, you know, has added something else to that Um you, you do get new players. To me, that's a perfect opportunity to really shake things up. And as I said, I mean, you basically just laid it out. It is a mystery as to why that is the case, especially for a power play unit that is having such a tough time gaining the zone and getting set up. It's the one thing 27 does better than anybody else on this club, and it's not close. Oh, one of the best in the league, never mind at that. I, I mean, I guess what you have to do is you have to break down where he could fit in. So Niederreiter goes where he goes, and it's important that he's there because the coaches want them shooting more. They want to get the puck to the net, and they want Niederreiter, who's probably now, you know, Pierre-Luc Dubois has been there in the past. Blake Wheeler's been pretty good at it this year. But is the guy you want because he can disrupt the goaltender in front of the net. He can capitalize on the chaos that's created by his disruption. He's good in and around the net. So that's not a spot. If we're looking at spots that Nick Ehlers could go into, that's not a spot he could go into. And Josh Morrissey's the quarterback of this power play. That's not going to change. It shouldn't change. He's the Winnipeg Jets' best player this year. He's not moving there. Kyle Connor on the far side has that one-timer that if they can at leverage it properly is the most dangerous weapon that this Winnipeg Jets power play could have. So you don't move that. So it leaves a couple spaces. It's either Pierre-Luc Dubois down low or Mark, excuse me, Blake Wheeler, who they like to have uh, kind of move around in that spot there. Um, it's there, and I don't think that's where he fits. So really, to me, the, the the answer to this question probably lies in the fact that the only place he fits is where Mark Shifley seems to want to play right now. And that uh, and that the idea of it is that that umbrella, if you notice, that umbrella, the guy from the back of the net up to Mark Shifley, over to Josh Morrissey, and then a shot to the front of the net is where they get a lot of their points. That's, to me, point-producing alley there, right? The guys get high touches on the puck, and because of that, there's a lot of primary assists or secondary assists that go with being those guys. I don't know if this is an an ego thing or what it is, but to me, the only place that Nikolai Ehlers fits is if you put him in that spot and move Mark Shifley into the slot. And then if you do that, then the puck touches primarily go on the outside before they get it inside, which means the puck touches go to Kyle Connor, Josh Morrissey, and Nick Ehlers more often than not. Um, And what it means is if you're Mark Shifley, you're going to get your points on that power play by redirecting the puck on a shot that comes in or pouncing on a rebound. And maybe he doesn't see himself that way. And maybe it's as simple as this. Maybe the coaches say as good as Nick Ehlers is, and we'd love to get him a chance. We still think that Mark Shifley is the better place in that spot. We still think our highest chance of success is with Mark Shifley in that spot compared to Nick Ehlers. 
the only other option is to redraw the power play entirely. And to me, it kind of seems like the train would have left that station somewhere around December, maybe January, if you were going to redraw this. Redrawing the penalty and trying something entirely different, I think is pretty, that would be pretty drastic steps to take with about 17 games left in the season. I don't disagree, but I mean, sometimes desperate times call for desperate measures. And as we've been mentioning, I mean, they uh, there's the lack of success on the power play has been a huge reason why we're talking about this kid. I mean, it absolutely could have helped them last night in the San Jose game. I and mean, we can talk about probably half the games that they've lost over this last little while where the power play and lack of success was a big, big part of it, despite still penalty killing has been very, very good. Um, and obviously you need to score at five on five. They generated it all last night and it came together. Let me just switch over for a minute. Um, a lot of talk about Logan Stanley. Obviously, a reported trade request going in, out of the lineup, came back in. What did you think of his game last night? And how do you think that the coaching staff handles this defense groupings as far as who's playing and who's playing together going into you know a road trip against some of the best teams in the league? Well, I mean, I think you look night to, per night and and kind of take a look at what kind of game you need. So, hey, I, I've said this in the past. I think that Dylan Sandberg has passed Logan Stanley on the depth chart. Um, if if that was the final decision maker, that's the direction you'd go in. But Logan Stanley showed last night that when he plays a specific kind of game, he's an effective player, right? So we know that it's going to be a grinding game against a team like the Minnesota Wild. He goes out there gets involved, scores a goal, uh, leans on on Kirill Kaprizov uh, and takes him out of the game, uses that big body. I think these are the kind of things that he should be doing. And when he does do it, when he's punishing towards the other team and the other team's best, there's a real value to having him in the lineup. It just seems like what we've seen in the past from Logan Stanley is he'll get in and he'll do it for a couple of games and then that disappears. He doesn't seem to be able to do it consistently over and over and over again. The one thing I will say on the back end that seems to be working as of late is Rick Bonus is making moves on the back end and they're paying off in goals on the other side of the ice. I mean, he makes a surprise decision to take Schmidt out and put in Kyle Capobianco and Capobianco scores. Well, boom, message received. Guy gets an opportunity, capitalizes on the opportunity. Then the next night, I don't know if he would have come out of the lineup uh, regardless, but if he hadn't got sick, but Schmidt goes back in and then Schmidt responds after getting scratched and goes out. And then tonight, or excuse me, last night, Stanley gets an opportunity and he goes in and scores and has a really good game. I think that if you watch Nate Schmidt's game since he got taken out of the lineup, he's been better. I think Kyle Capobianco, uh, you know, was given an opportunity late in the season, was like trying to make a bid to stay in the lineup. And I think Logan Stanley, after asking for a trade and not getting that trade, is put in a position where he's like, well, there's no out here. There's no me finding my way out of town. It's like, I got to make the best of what I have in this town. And I thought he went out and did that. So, I mean, if I'm Rick Bonus at this stage, I'm probably activating and using my defensemen in a manner that I'm trying to make them feel like there's massive competition for these jobs and that you could get pulled out of the lineup at any time because it's working right now. And I'll tell you, I talked to Josh Morrissey about this, the idea of guys getting pulled out. And he said the importance of something like this is a, they, we know that the, excuse me, that the coaching staff is not happy with us, but B, we know they're not afraid to make changes. 
And that changes the way players think, right? All of a sudden, if you think, oh, well, I go and I have a bad ga- game, it doesn't matter what's going to happen. I'll be in the next the next game and I'll get another crack at it. But if you start thinking, ugh, I didn't have the best game and that could mean I get out of the lineup and if the guy pops into the lineup and puts a goal or two in the, to the back of the net, I may stay out of the lineup. I think that entirely changes the way... Um, I think it entirely changes the way that players respond. Now I'll say this. I think players on the blue line have got this message and are responding to it. I'm not sure that the players up front have got that message. And I think that uh, Rick bonus had always talked early in the year that, you know, you do what he asks you to do. And the, the big stick that he wields is ice time other than with Nick Ehlers, which he hasn't come out and said, Nick Ehlers, Ice time has been affected because he hasn't been playing properly. Other than Nick Ehlers, I haven't seen that big stick being used on players. And I think that there's been a lot of opportunity that, where he could have or maybe should have used that big stick. Yeah, I, I agree. I mean, I think that the um, the public nature of announcing Nate Schmidt was a healthy scratch was sort of, I mean, this is a well-liked veteran player um, that's part of the core, I guess, of this club. And I... I I thought that it was sort of an easy out. It was a lot easier to do that than take out some of the guys up front because agreed. I mean, especially with Dubois injured right now, they just simply aren't deep enough to have any of those guys sitting for any lengthy period of time. But I think that was sort of a message to all of those players that Rick Bonus obviously hoped would resonate. Yeah, uh, yeah. And you know what? It's interesting you point that out because, I mean, I take a look at Nate Schmidt and when he came out, it was a surprise. And it wasn't, he. we know he hadn't necessarily been playing his best hockey, but you could have looked around that room and picked one, two, three, four, f- maybe five other guys that could have as easily come out of the lineup. I think what you're saying, or you had said it was easy to take him out of the lineup. I think he's easy to come out of the lineup because A, you know he'll go out and he won't make a stink about it because he's a team first guy. And B, he'll come back in and you've got a healthy expectation that he'll respond well to it. But I also think uh, that choosing the easy route in this situation is, is, I don't know. It, it it does it does make a statement, right? You take the guy who's a little bit easier to take out, whereas if you'd taken a guy up front who maybe didn't have the best game, one of the big guys in the top six and sat him for a game, that would be, I think, kind of send tremors through that dressing room. And I know what you're saying. There's not a lot of time left, and the emergency sirens are wailing. Uh, the In case of emergency break glass, that glass was broken a long time ago. Maybe this is something that if they were going to go down that road, they should have done a while ago. But I do subscribe to the thought process that Nate Schmidt got taken out of the lineup because he was an easier guy to take out of the lineup. Uh, whereas maybe there's, I mean, I'll say it. I, I think other guys were far more deserving of being taken out of the lineup and weren't because... Rick Bonus feels like he's not in a position to take that level of player out of the lineup. Hey, uh, Ren, it's been great having you on the program. Uh, you're, are you hitting the road for this uh, this road trip? I leave tomorrow, and then I don't come back until that. Uh, if if I'm lucky, I'll get back for the Bruins game because i got to stick around for the uh, GM meeting. So uh, I'm down in Florida for a while. Oh, geez, geez, tough life. Tough, tough life. I know. Just in I time. Know. Get, get up before the snow hits on Saturday. Well, uh, <laughs> listen, win or lose, I know we'll have some uh, – Popping chats on Kenny and Rennie after the games on the weekend. And then, of course, Tuesday in Carolina as well. Thanks a lot for doing this. And uh, we'll uh, catch up with you next week maybe when uh, when you're back with, uh, with a great tan.
You bet. And hey, I wanted to say happy two-year anniversary. You guys have been killing it for two years. Keep going. Thanks, pal. Great stuff. Appreciate you. All right, there's Sean Reynolds of Sportsnet. Um, obviously did a great job at the game. And uh, yeah, both he and Ken are going to be on the road on this trip. And then uh, Rennie gets to stick around to the GM meetings. Very, very envious. Uh, all right, Ruiki's on deck. We will have Sean McIndoe from Down Goes Brown and The Athletic a little bit later on. And Ice Star, Zach Benson. Uh, folks, if you're looking for great prices on natural and organic supplements, beauty products, and groceries and Winnipeg's largest assortment of local products, too. Get on down to Vita Health Fresh Market. Of course, St. Patrick's Day is just around the corner. Celebrate with your favorites and some non-alcoholic options if you are so inclined. Craft beer, mocktails, and some great snacks, too. And with spring just around the corner, get ready for it with Ultimate Male Energy, formulated specifically for men over 35. Ultimate male energy is designed to help improve testosterone production, reduce excess body fat, build muscle tissue, maintain prostate health, and more. And it's on sale today at Vita Health. Vita Health Fresh Market, empowering people to lead healthy lives. Seven Winnipeg locations, including the newest store in Linden Ridge, and online at myvita.ca. Uh, if you're... Uh, if you're speaking of spring coming up, if you're uh, thinking about hitting the hills or maybe getting away, head on down to Royal Sports. Uh, best selection around when it comes to snowboards, boots, bindings, um, all sorts of things to help you make the most of um, the final bit of time with snow on the ground. Of course, best selection of skates and hockey equipment in town. Great deals on hockey sticks, including 50% off many warrior makes right now and the best selection of licensed merchandise in town featuring Jets, Bombers, NHL, NFL, Blue Jays in Major League Baseball, Raptors in NBA, and soccer teams from around the world. Royal Sports, 750 Pemina Highway. Follow them on Instagram at Royal Sports Pemina for the latest merchandise drops and sale information. And uh, hey, speaking of wardrobes, fellas, if you need to uh, up your clothes game heading into spring and summer, you know where to go, F Apparel, down at 190 Smith Street, downtown. Winnipeg's leaders in custom clothing for men with custom suits beginning at just $400. Golf pants, chinos, um, as well as custom shirts, both to be made tucked in and more formally, as well as untucked. Pop down and see them at 190 Smith Street, downtown. Find out more online at F, that's E-P-H, apparel.com, and make an appointment. Don't forget, 15% off for the entire wedding party when you get your suits from F Apparel and uh, free custom shirt and tie for 2023 high school grads when you get your suits out at F Apparel. All right, let's get Rowicki in here and uh, get his take on the plight of our local hockey squad. Brandon, how are you, man? Great to have you back on the show. I'm doing good. Thanks for having me and happy two years to you and Remo. Oh, thanks. Yeah, what a big week. Uh, all I wanted for the anniversary was a win last night. And uh, got to tell you, man, there was a, a lot of good. I mean, we heard Rick Bonus after the game kind of emphatically say that, you know, this is what they wanted. They put a ton of pucks on net. They took advantage of a wild team that had played the night before. But a couple things really conspired to it. I mean, the lack of success on the power play. And, I mean, shockingly, the Jets' best player, Connor Hellebuck letting in one that just simply can't go in and never goes in on him. And uh, it just seems that's what's happening for the Winnipeg Jets. One thing or another conspiring to have them on the wrong side of the scoreboard. Yeah, I mean, it's what, what's interesting is that something that you never thought would be this team's biggest weakness is killed them all season long. 
And it's reared its ugly head specifically in the last two games more than any. But this team can't finish. <laughs> like, they've got a potential 50-goal score. They had a guy who was on pace for 50 earlier in the season. You got Ehlers, you got Dubois. Now Nino's here. And they 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 can't beat anybody. And, and yeah, Flurry was great, but Reimer was great in San Jose. This guy was great the other night. This backup had a legendary night the week before, right? Like, it's, it, it almost doesn't matter who's between the pipes because the Jets aren't hitting the twine. They're finding a way to hit equipment. And 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 that's more than anything what's what's slaughtered this club over this stretch of 12, 13 games now. I mean, yeah, the goaltending wasn't good. I mean, Hellebuck's just got to stop. He's got to stop the third one. That's non-negotiable. The first one, I think he would tell you he's going to stop it. I think he'd like most goalies to stop a clean one in the slot like that, although Felino absolutely ripped it. Uh, it. It wasn't a great night from Hellebuck. But again, I mean... Guys carried this franchise for a couple of years now. He's he's doing off night once in a while. Well, and, and I said I said to the guys I was sitting with, you know, if they can find a way in the second half of that game to come back and bail out Hellebuck after, you know, a performance that he obviously would be the first to admit needed to be better in. I mean that that sort of thing goes a long way with players, and I think that might be reciprocated when they're big underdogs in some of these games up on the road trip. But um, to your point, I mean, yeah, they generated a lot. There were lots of pucks on net. They did a much better job of shooting the puck and getting into those areas. But again, shades of 2018. I mean, Marc-Andre Fleury, sometimes like not even looking at the puck, having no idea, just hitting him right now. And I mean, I don't know how you fix just a lack of finish right now, but um, you're exactly right. And, uh, you know, and in addition to that, I mean, that's at, that's at five on five, and I thought they played great at five on five. But I am interested in your thoughts on the lack of success on the power play. And, and even though they worked on some things in the morning skate and practiced differently, basically seeing the same thing and the same results when uh, the game gets going. Yeah, I, what I'm interested in is why the Jets are so resistant to putting their best five-man power play unit out there. Like, any ideas, anyone? Well, I, is it not mind blowing at this point? And Ehlers goes on the freaking number one power play. What was it a couple weeks ago? And he goes bar down against the Islanders. And and the power play looked dangerous. And there was movement for the first time in forever. And they weren't just telegraphing their passes and and you know failing to pull the trigger on shots. I I I, I just don't understand. I don't understand the thinking at this point. To to me, the fix is simple. Whether it's Nino or Dubois as your net front guy. I'm I'm fine with either one of those players doing that. I think they both can fill that role adeptly. T- to me, it's just simply swapping Ehlers and Wheeler. Like that that's that's the move right there. And even if Ehlers is just a a zone injury guy, like even hey, just float around the rest of the time we're in the O zone. And if we find you, we find you. But they just struggle so mightily in terms of trying to get anything clean. It's half the times it's dumping and, and try to beat a guy to the puck, which on the power play, it, it's a massive failure to, to to be in that situation, right? So I like I I think it's correctable. That's why it's frustrating. Is put your best guys out there, and you'll probably have a better power play than you do right now. It's it's really that simple. Like I've got a lot of time for if it ain't broke, don't fix it. I mean, if that unit was being so successful, and you know one guy was sort of the odd man out and was going to be on the second unit, sure. As long as you're getting the job done, and that is not the case right now. And I mean, even last night in a game where the Jets were dominant at five-on-five, five, you know, you have a bad power play. You have a tough time even gaining the zone. 
that really sucks a lot of the life out of the momentum that you had. And that was a great example of it happening on a couple of occasions yesterday. Yeah, it's an energy vampire. It just sucks sucks everything out of the building there. And it's, I, I yeah, I just, I think it's an easy fix. And that's kind of the frustrating part of it. What's interesting too is that even putting Ehlers out there, I think slots guys into spots that they're better suited for. I mean, when when was Mark Scheifele at his best on the power play? In that role, right? I mean, some people call it the bumper role. It's not really that for him, right? But he's he's the guy that's in the middle of the ice there, and he can take a one-timer in the slot area. And I think just, you know, having him there and then Ehlers on his offside there on the left where he's not taking a one-timer, but he's able to do what he does best, which is skate in with speed and come towards the net for either a shot or a pass. I just, I think that opens up so much more for this power play. And that that's that's when this team and any other team struggles is when, okay, here are our roles. Let's make sure we wear our cement boots and stand still for 45 seconds. Oh, why aren't we scoring? Because there's no movement, and it's so easy to defend that. And I think that's where the Jets have gotten themselves into a lot of problems, is they're static, and they can't enter the zone properly. And it's it's pretty wild that they have one guy on this team whose main attributes are those exact things. And I don't I don't know what it's going to take. Honestly, I, I don't know what it's going to take at this point to get him in there, out, out there to start this road trip. I, I, he should have been in there this whole time. Maybe this is like smash emergency button, right? Like in case something breaks, hit. I, I, I don't know. I don't know because it should have been done a long time ago. Yeah, I mean, listen, I, I think they got to try something. And uh, I mean, they did even they did split the ice time between the two units uh, much more evenly last night. Um, but again, when uh, you're not getting results, and I even thought that maybe the first power play of PP1, um, I thought they were trying to get a little bit more movement along the players' side that you know, we hadn't seen in a long in a long time. But, um, you know, again, they just had a tough time getting set up. And, I mean, Minnesota's a good team when it comes to killing penalties, and they'll make it tough for you to gain zone entries. But that's another, I think, argument that maybe you need a little bit more 27 in that mix. Um, Brandon, I mean, we've been talking for the last few weeks as this trend has continued, and I've sort of referred to it as, a, at times, a crisis of confidence. I think they've found their way to come back and perform the way the coach is asking of them and now still not getting the results. And you can play your best game with the personnel that the Winnipeg Jets have and there's absolutely no guarantees you're going to have much to show for it considering who's on the schedule coming up. I mean, yeah. how urgent do you think this next four-game trip is, or the three-game trip, and then coming back, first game off the road trip for the best team in the National Hockey League in the Boston Bruins after playing Carolina, who's a close second? Yeah, I mean, if you, if you want to make the playoffs, it's pretty urgent. <laughs> I don't know. Like, it might be nice to bake some points at some point. Yeah, that's why the San Jose game like pissed me off more than the Minnesota. I mean, I, I get fans are frustrated and disappointed right now, but like, what would you change about the wild game? Like, I mean, maybe there's a few instances here and there, right? But like, for for the majority of the game, they they dominated Minnesota. It's just Hellebuck had an off night, and and Flurry. I think I think Flurry played good and got pretty damn lucky as well in a few spots. But if they play like they did against Minnesota, I think most fans are going to take that night in, night out. But it's the San Jose one where the Sharks have no interest in winning, right? You, you dominate them the entire game, and then you get head inside your own zone for the final two minutes when a Boston or a Tampa or, you know, name your upper echelon team chokes that game out. 
and they make sure that San Jose doesn't get a sniff of it, right? We, we saw that that bugaboo, you know, bite the Jets in the ass once again, giving up a goal. And, and I don't know what it is about San Jose and heartbreaking finishes, but, you know, the Sharks find oh. a way to, to hurt the Jets there. And, I mean, even getting the two points there in that one, and then if you lose to Minnesota in kind of a fluky way, it, it, I think it eases the sting a little bit. But now, yeah, you're right. Like, they could play as good as they did against Minnesota this road trip and go over three through Florida and Carolina. So that's the scary part. But at the same time, you know, we talked all year long about finding what this team's about, right? Like, what what are, what are what can you do with this group of players? Well, here's another chance for that, right? Like, are you gonna are, are you gonna crawl and hide because things aren't going your way? Are you gonna keep playing good hockey, try to get a couple bounces to go your way, and then figure things out in the last fifteen or so games? So I, yeah, I, I'm not necessarily sounding the alarm bells about how they're playing, but it's just that they played so bad like three weeks ago that they put themselves in a position where there's almost almost little margin for no error. It, it, it's sort of funny. I mean, uh, they can now play the nobody believes in us card. Get back to being <laughs> the underdogs that a lot of people thought they were at the start of the year. Um, because I think there's a lot of people that, despite where things are at, are realizing that the Jets and the trends are not favorable to sticking around in a playoff spot where they've been all year long. And I'm not sure if you caught the Calgary Flames earlier this week, but you know we were waiting for Calgary to wake up and play an incredibly desperate brand of hockey. They got it done in the final seconds in Dallas and then, you know, managed to get two in a shootout against the Minnesota Wild. A four quick points in back-to-back nights. These teams now are even in games played. And I'm not even getting to the Nashville Predators, who I still don't really think have a run in them considering the players that have been traded. But they got four games in hand and they're six games back. Um, but in particular, Calgary, I mean, how concerning from a Jet standpoint is just what the Flames were able to do in those back-to-back games against an ugly week and what that does for a team that is in the chase position. Yeah, and it's funny, too, because I was watching the Calgary game, I think it was Saturday night, where they looked awful. They get booed off the ice. It's like, oh, it's over. Well, don't have to worry about the Flames. Oh, never mind. Winnipeg's got to say it. I mean, the the Jets Seven points points after that. The Jets get the win against Edmonton. The Flames stink it out at home and get shut up by the Wild, and you think, okay... This is back on. I mean, like immediately yeah. that was completely erased. And as we said, now Calgary's got a couple softies on the schedule coming up. I think they've got the Hawks and the Ducks in their next four games. Meanwhile, we know what the Jets are going in. We could be talking about in a week teams that are essentially, Brandon, in a dead heat for that final spot. Yeah, yeah. I mean, it's wild. And then look, I think Jets fans can be thankful at how Calgary's played. I mean, the Flames being as bad as they've been for the last couple of weeks as well is maybe the only reason the Jets are still at a playoff spot right now. I, I'm still not sold on Calgary though. Like I, I think I saw the athletic had the Jets with a 70, 70 some odd chance of making the playoffs. I, I would probably still put it at that, even though it feels like DEFCON one right now here in Winnipeg, like that's still a pretty big advantage four points with, just over 15 or so games to go in this. Like it, it, we, we see this all the time, right? It's just so difficult to overcome any kind of multiple point deficit here. So I, I still feel good about the Jets finding a way to get it done here, but it might be more so because I don't believe in Calgary than I believe in the Jets at this point. And you're right, man. Like, thank, I, thank God the Preds went into sell mode because having all those games in hand and maybe having a few more pieces out there in Nashville, things all of a sudden you might... 
the, the, the Jets might be sinking further in the Central Division, which would have been unfathomable a couple of weeks ago. Listen, I don't want to freak people out any more than they already are, and I'm right there with you. But the Jets have Florida, Tampa, and Carolina going on the weekend and Tuesday. Calgary has the Ducks on Friday, Ottawa at home on Sunday, and then the Arizona Coyotes on Tuesday. That's a good okay. tie. That I mean, there okay. is. <laughs> okay. Yeah, I mean, that's... The, the, the thing is, you can't rely on those teams to do it for you. I mean, this actually does come down to rising up in the face of the most adversity that they've had all year and finding a way to get something out of these next few games, starting with the Florida Panthers, who have been another similarly disappointing team this year, but are actually right in it right now with some of the teams on the cusp haven't made the most of those games and had they had on Florida. And I think this is going to be an incredibly desperate team. This will feel like a playoff game. for It should for both teams, but I can guarantee you it will for the home team. Yeah, well, I'm, you know, I don't, I don't think the Jets are going to come out flat in this one, knowing who's uh, behind the bench on the other side, right? So, I mean, yeah. there, there, there's a lot on the line, ma- macro and micro in this game. So, I, I'm, yeah, I'm not, I'm not worried about the Jets. I mean, maybe I should be. I'm not, <laughs> I'm not worried about the Jets' response going into this one. Um, I and I think, you know, Helly, we we all know how Helly gets when he's pissed off. And it's funny, during that game against Minnesota, he gives up the third. I'm like, okay, his bonus going to give him the yank, which he could have at that point. He it would have been justified. I mean, it I'm not been sure justified. it helps, but yeah. And then he gets the Bronx cheer, which I'm sure oh you talked God. about. I think is, me off so I think is really, really effing stupid. And this is coming from a Philadelphia sports fan who's accustomed to booing literally anything that has a heartbeat. I thought that was really stupid by the fans. But as soon as that happened, I was like, if the Jets get three, they get three or four, it's over. Because there's no way he's given up another one here. And I, I don't know if he's going to play all three in this stretch or if he's going to play eight, nine, ten in a row here. I mean, it's not like Dave Riddich is, you know, lighting down the fort either. But I, I think we're going to see a pretty impressive Hellebuck performance here. It's just going to be, can the, can the skaters up front find a way to actually score like can, can it's great they're putting up 30 and 40 shots and and they're doing that and they're still i think passing away some some big opportunities to get the puck on net even more which is either infuriating or encouraging depending on how you look at it but i i think if the jets offense it doesn't even need to erupt like they did against edmonton to me if they can just if they can just put three on the board in this next handful of games which is going to be difficult against specifically tampa carolina I, I'm not going to be surprised if they come out above 500 on this difficult road trip. Well, that would be that would be absolutely massive. And to be honest, at this point, I just kind of laid out what Calgary's got over the next week. I mean, absolutely necessary to um, not all of a sudden wake up in a week and find yourself in a chase position out of the playoffs for the first time all season long. And man, that is hard deja vu for a lot of people considering some late season swoons in seasons past utilizing this core. Um, I, I Listen, I think we've all been left wanting more over the past little while from a number of the top players on the team. Um, but what have you thought about the two additions? I know you were hoping that they would do more and maybe add some more players, but um, pretty nice early returns for Nino Niederreiter and Nemetsnikov. Yeah, especially Nino. I mean, he's he's a pro's pro. I mean, that was as far as value goes. I don't know if there was a better pickup by any team at, I agree. at in and around the trade deadline. I mean, he's just fantastic, and and he 
it's nice too because I, I think you can line up with pretty much anybody in this top six, like any combination of skaters, whether it's Steelers, Dubois, Connor Shifley. I, I, I think he just fits it anywhere. He kind of reminds me, it's like a supercharged version of, of Andrew Kopp, like how Paul Maurice would be like, or it was Matthew Pro, I think, right? I, think, I can't remember if it was Kopp or Perot. The human jumper where, cables? Yeah, exactly, right? Uh, that, that to me is what Nino is, but like on steroids. Right, because he's got—I mean, he's—he's he's got some hands. He shoot—I didn't realize he shoots the puck like an animal. I mean, he's got a really, really heavy shot, and then he just does all the little things right as well. So, I mean, he was like, as far as fit goes, the, just the the perfect guy to acquire in terms of what this team had lacked before he got there and what he brings in a big, big way right now. So, I mean, he's—I I think he's been a plus since he stepped up and joined the team there. And I think Domestikov's been fine too. I like—I mean. He kind of is what it is, right? I mean, he was – you get him for a fourth-round pick. Maybe the biggest thing with him, the biggest win, I don't know if you saw this, he waived his no trade to come to Winnipeg. That's that's almost as good of a playoff spot. Like, hey, you got a guy that actually wanted to be here. That's pretty awesome. So, maybe, maybe, if you're talking about trying to get wins wherever you can get them, Domestikov wants to be here. We could hang that banner up at Canada. Well, and he's going to get a big opportunity to play. Um, I mean, of course, Bones threw him in uh, centering uh, Wheeler and um, uh, Ehlers League yesterday. And, I mean, from what Coach had to say afterwards about Pierre-Luc Dubois, I know he said he's not traveling with the club. And for folks that missed it, I mean, we were talking about this lower body injury that had him day-to-day. He comes back in, plays a game, and apparently now has an upper body injury from the last game that he played. And uh, the fact that he's not traveling with the team, they said they hoped that he might join them and play later on. Well, listen, if he's not traveling with the club, I think you can pretty much rule out the two games in Florida. Um and I guess there's a scenario where he would meet the team in Carolina and play in that one game. But I, I, I'm i assuming that this team is going to be without Pierre-Luc Dubois for these next three games, which is a great opportunity for Nemetsnikov, but also a major issue for the Winnipeg Jets that have had such a hard time generating offense to lose one of their top offensive players at such a crucial time. I know. It sounds like me like waking up in bed each morning like it starts off lower body then it's upper body then it's just full body at this point and it's always scary like it, it happened again Dubois day to day all right well how many weeks is he gonna miss like that, that was kind of my initial reaction to the first injury I mean yeah I, I'm with you like if, if he's not he's not joining the team and that, that to me just doesn't make sense if he's not going to be with the team at the start leave him at home let him rest and have him ready to go um for the stretch afterwards there but yeah I mean this it's kind of, a, I know you don't anticipate it as a GM, but this is why you go out there and bring guys in, like a Nemesnikov. And that's part of the allure of, of getting somebody like him, is he can play any of the three forward spots. And I, I thought he I thought he acquitted himself well against Minnesota. Uh, it's, it's, is, is that the ideal spot for him moving forward? I think obviously not. But, I mean, he played the big role in Logan Stanley's goal against Minnesota. And, he, you know, not the biggest dude in the world, but he won a battle out in front there and was able to get the puck on nets. He's he's a good player. Yeah, he's 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 good. I, I'm I'm not expecting, you know, six points on this road trip or anything like that. But if he can at least break even with whoever he's going up against, it gives the Jets a shot. It, it, I think if anything, it just puts more pressure on on Shifley and Connor to deliver in a big way. Maybe maybe even more so Kyle Connor. I think Shifley's game is getting a little bit better over this last little while. But we saw this early in the season. But I just think there's. Too much thinking going on in, in Kyle Connor's head right now with the puck on his stick, and there's too much. Let's try to make the perfect play instead of, oh wait, I've got a top ten shot in the NHL. Let's just 
get the puck towards the net and figure out what happens after that. So that that I, I don't even necessarily look at Nemesnikov needing to elevate his game and you know give a Dubois like performance. It's all right. There's some guys that make a lot more money than him on this team, and they're the ones that need to step up in a big way and help help kickstart the offense that's been dormant for too long. Yeah, no, I mean, it is a great point. Um, endless, the Dubois injury just sucks for a, a number of reasons. Uh, first of all, with Nemetsnikov moving up, um, I thought he looked great with Adam Lowry and Morgan Barron. It had really given sort of a jump to a new look to that line, which enables Mason Appleton to play on the fourth line, which I think adds a little bit to that unit. Um, you know, it's it, it is that domino effect, but I mean, right now, uh, as I said, for a guy that maybe wasn't playing as much in other spots, he's going to get more opportunities had in a long time to make things happen, certainly on this road trip until Pierre-Luc Dubois comes back for the Winnipeg Jets. One more quickie, and I hit Rennie with this on the way out. Um, we saw Capobianco in on Saturday. We saw Nate Schmidt out. Stanley came back in last night. Uh, all of those guys have scored when they went in. How do you think they handle... Um, Who's going to be the sixth defenseman, assuming that Nate Schmidt is in the lineup when they take on the Florida Panthers? I mean, it, it should be Sandberg. To, to me, the pecking order is Sandberg, Capabianco, and Stanley. And very quietly, all Kyle Capabianco has done whenever, I mean, very limited action, but whenever he's been thrown in, he's he's been money. <laughs> like, he's been really good. I, I didn't think he was a pickup even worth like I, to To me, it was okay, here's a guy that's waiver wire fodder at the start of the year, and he's been so damn good every time he's come in. And I, I think he's outplayed Logan Stanley in terms of, you know, putting those two head-to-head in terms of their tape this year. I, I, I was shocked that that we saw Stanley in against Minnesota. Um, and then, of course, he goes in and, you know, has a pretty, pretty impactful game. Um, but I, to, to me, if you're just going by what we've seen all season long, Stan, Sandberg, Kepa, Bianco, Stanley – um, and I still maintain that I think Dylan Sandberg's been one of this team's four best defensemen this year. So, uh, yeah, again, I'm not looking to take him out of the lineup. I'm looking to give him more ice time, although that's not going to happen. <laughs> Brandon Wiki with us, uh, host of Skates and Plates, wherever you get your favorite podcasts. What's the next episode going to be? You're going to be having just like straight up the first 30 seconds, just alarm bells and sirens going <laughs> off before you start talking? Yeah, it's not a bad idea. I might, I might steal that one. Uh, Go for it. I mean, it's kind of nice not having to do it right after a game, to be honest, because I it hasn't been fun breaking down games lately. But yeah, we'll 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 figure we'll figure something out for for tomorrow's show. There. Um, I mean, that, to me, the what 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 kind of intrigues me about this road trip, especially just the three games upcoming here, is like what's a good record for the team? Like, I would would you would you take one one and one if if you had the the option right now? I think I would. Yeah, yeah, oh, I, I think so. I mean, every point is so crucial right now. I mean, that one that they gave away against the uh, uh, against the Sharks, you know, really hurts. I think you got to make sure to get that. And, and listen, if you get to overtime, I think you got to get two right now. I mean, uh, that that's the thing. And this team had been so good at doing that for the majority of the season, yeah. and yet maybe a little regression to the mean when it comes to those coin flips, which a lot of people assume that overtime and shootouts are. Um, but yeah, I mean, going into last night, if you include the the home games on either side, the Minnesota and Boston, I thought that if this team could get five out of ten points, they would be able to survive this area. Well, they deserved a better fate last night, but they didn't get it. And uh, 
I don't know, five out of eight over these next four would be, I think, a huge win for this hockey club. And I think would really, really help them. But it's got to start with one. They got to win a game, put some points in the standings and feel a little bit better about some better efforts, but some better results. Yeah, to, to me, it's the Florida game. Like like this, the the first one has to be the one that, that you step up here. Yeah, I mean, you lose that one. <laughs> Whether you put up 50 shots or not, it's panic time. Like that's officially panic time, but you can kind of stem the tide a little bit against Florida, the game against Tampa, you know, obviously you'd like to win it, but it doesn't have as much urgency in it. And then you hope you play Carolina as good as you have this season, as opposed to to seasons in the past here. But I mean, to to me, the Panthers game is going to tell me a lot about what this team is made out of. If, If they come out and they play as good as they have earlier this week, get a little more bounces their way. I think they'll be just fine. But if they do what they've done in the past, especially in Florida, if it's run and gun and it's loosey-goosey and we're needing to score three, four, five goals, then, I mean, to me, it's almost elementary at that point. They might make the playoffs, they might miss it, but there's no hope in terms of this team making legitimate noise if they can't go into the Panthers' home rink this weekend and come away with a convincing two-point win. Desperate times in Peg City. Brandon, thanks for doing this. We'll look forward to the next edition of Skates and Plates and uh, hook up next week. Yeah, who, who you got in the players, by the way? Uh, I'm oh. pretty jacked to watch that. I just finished I finished a 58 round of 2K on uh, on PS4. Oh, so nicely like I'm, done. Yeah, uh, yeah, I did, yeah, I did. I like to be nice and tranquil after a game like last night to, to kind of put me in a better state of mind. But who are you feeling with the players? Uh, well, my big pick was Rory. And Rory shot 76 today. Uh, I But the first time I checked it, he was three over on his 15th hole. Um, however, I do have JT, and I saw he was two under through the first three holes. So we'll check that out. And uh, obviously, good things for if you're a curling fan right now. Big win for Dunstone last night over Cooey. He's 7-0 right now. So hopefully golf and curling can keep our spirits up until a very important game coming up on Saturday night. Thanks for doing this, buddy. Yeah, have a good one, man. Thanks for having me. You got it. There's Brandon Rewicki. Check out Skates and Plates wherever you get your favorite podcast. Um, we're going to hear from Sean McIndoe, uh, at Down Goes Brown, a great writer with The Athletic. Get his thoughts on where the Jets are at right now. And maybe, you know, a little a sober mind from outside of the market to uh, talk us off the ledge a little bit. Uh, and then... Ice star Zach Benson coming up. Stick around. We will have the opportunity. We're going to spin the wheel of winners for some tickets to Friday's ice game. Uh, But as I mentioned, huge, huge win for Matt Dunstone last night against Kevin Cooey. He goes to 7-0 and can finish a perfect run through the preliminary round with a win this afternoon against Tanner Horgan of Northern Ontario. And Manitoba's looking good to go 8-0. Uh, 5 nothing after 3. Gave up 1. They now are up 5-1 with the hammer. Um, what a great run right now for Matt Dunstone and his team, who uh, really is looking like the team to beat on the one side of the draw. Botcher and Gushu, uh, the teams on the other side. Of course, all of our curling reports are brought to you by our great friends at Princess Auto, proud sponsors of the Players' Championship and the World Curling Tour as well as Team Jennifer Jones and Team Reed Carruthers. Princess Auto is also where you find the best deals on the most unique assortment of tools and equipment around. Everything you need to complete the projects on your list or start something new is over at Princess Auto. Two Winnipeg locations, Panet Road and Portage Avenue West, and you can always shop online 24-7, 365 at princessauto.com. 
Uh, a huge thanks to our great sponsors over at Culligan Water. You know them as the water experts in Winnipeg and Southern Manitoba. It's a family-owned business for over 65 years, taking care of you and your family with water softeners, filters, bottled water coolers, whole home systems, drinking water systems, not to mention citywide water delivery services and commercial and industrial water products and solutions. Whatever your water needs, Culligan has you covered. Pop down and see him at 1200 Sargent Avenue. You can give him a call at 694-5180 and check him out online for everything they can do for you and your fam at drinkculligan.com. And uh, listen, I know there's been some comments in the chat that this hockey team is driving you to drink. Well, if you're popping by the Manitoba Liquor Marts, uh, check out the uh, Canadian Club display, Canada's favorite Canadian whiskey if you uh, do imbibe, uh, this will be a little bit of time where before we're enjoying CC and ginger ale and all those great treats from Beam Suntory out at the Rum Hut. And in the meantime, uh, if you are thinking whiskey, think Canada's favorite Canadian club available at your local Manitoba liquor marts. All right, so Zach Benson coming up a little later on. Stay tuned for your chance to win ice tickets to the game on the weekend. But right now, let's welcome in down goes Brown himself, Sean McIndoo from The Athletic. Sean, what's up? It's great to have you back on the program. How are you? Yeah, it's great to be back. I'm doing good. Thanks for having me. Uh, stress levels are high here in Winnipeg, as you can imagine. This uh, kind of tailspin has continued, and the Jets have found different ways to lose hockey games, and now it is condition critical when it comes to the playoff race. I mean, you're outside of the market, very interested in your take on uh, what we've seen from the Winnipeg Jets over the last little while and where they sit right now. Yeah, it's it's interesting, right? Because the Jets have been a team where I think if we if you're outside Winnipeg, certainly if you're, uh, you know, one of the these these nasty East media types like me, uh, you know, maybe you've been a little bit behind on uh, on what's been going on with this team. It took us a little while to realize how good they were in the first half and uh, to sort of really get our heads around the fact that hey, these guys could be contenders. Uh, by the time we did that, all of a sudden you look at the last. Uh, a uh, few weeks, a little bit more than that, and you go, wait a second, what happened to this team that we were all talked ourselves into as being, um, you know, a cup contender in this wide open Central Division, this wide open West, where you're sitting there going, hey, any team could emerge from here. Why not pick the one that's in theory got the best goalie? Yeah, maybe those are, those are the guys. Uh, apparently, they missed the memo because the the last few weeks they've been uh, looking a lot like a team that uh, maybe we should be ignoring. Yeah, I mean, I think that if you had told most people that follow the Winnipeg Jets that they'd be in a playoff spot at this point and right in the middle of it at the beginning of the season, they would have taken it. But it certainly creates a very different narrative where you were in first place for a good portion of the season. And then after New Year's, they're playing at a clip like the Chicago Blackhawks or Anaheim Ducks. Yeah, that's exactly it. I mean, right there with the the worst teams in the league. And, And I mean... Let's be honest. The worst teams in the league are trying to lose right now. <laughs> They're out there going like, "Let's let's not get any points, uh, so that we can get Connor Bedard." And, and the Jets are uh, barely keeping pace with those guys. It's it's a bad situation. Uh, and you're right, the heightened expectations that come with it. Because you know, if you if you take a step back for a little bit, you go, "Okay, hold on, we're holding down a playoff spot." There's really only two teams chasing us, and that's if you count the Nashville Predators, a team that openly waved the white flag at the deadline said we're gonna we're, we're gonna sell we're gonna actively get worse um and you got a calgary team that i mean it's it's not like the calgary team's breaking down the door they didn't get any better at the deadline they they sort of stood pat uh so you know you're 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 still in good shape 
still more likely than not to get that wild card spot. And then, you know, who knows? The the, the whole conference is wide open. Uh, so in that sense, everything looks good. But it's it's you, you can't escape the context that for half a season, this team looked great. And now it's just all falling apart. And they're, they're trying to figure out, uh, you know, what's what's going on and how do we plug all these leagues? Well, I, I mean, at the same time, I mean, Calgary, as bad as they've looked at times, goes into Dallas and Minnesota and comes out with back-to-back wins and all of a sudden find themselves right on the precipice as the Jets continue to open the door wider. What have you made of the Flames? Because this was a team that had some of the, the biggest off-season change, but at the same point, I think you could make an argument that, you know, we're different, but certainly still should have been a contender um, do you think that this team has a lot more to give and they are turning the corner right now? Or is this a little fool's gold if you're following what the Flames have done as of late? I mean, I wouldn't say it's fool's gold because you look at those wins that they had and, and those aren't wins where, you know, sometimes this is the type of year where you see a team go in and they they beat a good team. And you go, oh, wow, what a great win. But yet you're facing a backup goalie. It was, you know, the other team was was kind of taking it lightly. These are big games for uh, uh, for those central teams and for them to win. Uh, Calgary is such a tough team to figure out because, you know, two years ago, remember, we had the Canadian division. They don't even make the playoffs. They, they can't even beat out the Montreal Canadiens for a playoff spot. Uh, and so we all kind of write them off. And then last year, suddenly out of nowhere, almost, best team in the Western Conference in the regular season. And you're sitting there going, okay. Then, of course, they have the offseason from hell, or at least what seems to be shaping up that way. Their two best players both say, we're out of here. Um, Brad Treliving works some magic, makes the big deal with Florida, eventually gets Nazem Kadri, and you're sitting there going, okay, these guys are back. They're going to be all set. It just it hasn't clicked for them. And in in a sense, it, it's not that strange when you look at it. They made big, big changes and, you know, sometimes your talent level on paper, you look at the individual guys, still seems pretty similar. But it, it just, the mix just isn't there. And they, they really had a great mix with that first line, especially last year. Um, and, and then some of the death guys, Manju Pani and guys like that, who were just scoring at these outrageous rates. You don't expect that to keep up. And then the other thing that, that happens, and, you know, we've seen this happen to other teams around the league, and it happens to a few teams every single year is you look at a team and you say, they're all set in goal. They're going to be fine. And then they're not. And, you know, why could, is there a reason Jacob Markstrom hasn't been very good this year? I'm sure we could sit there and break down his play and look at, you know, a little adjustments he made, or maybe you look at the fatigue issue or whatever it is. But it's also the NHL. And sometimes goalies that you expect to be good just aren't good for a year, and then they get back onto it. So, you know, I think if you had said that about Calgary, that the mix of the goaltending is not going to be great, you could understand why they would be on the outside looking in. But they do scare you a little bit because this is one of those teams where you don't have to go that far back on the timeline to see where they were really rolling. If they get going that way again, even though it's only one team chasing you, one team's all you need if they really start putting a streak together. I I do want to get to the East because it is fascinating. I mean, the trade deadline was crazy. But just before we move there, I mean, when you look at the landscape of the West, which has been so wide open, post-trade deadline, uh, is there a team or two that you think has maybe separated themselves at least as far as legitimate chances to get out of the Western Conference and battle for the Cup in the final? I mean, I, I, I don't see separation. And if anything, um, you know, you kept waiting for somebody to make that really big move where you went, aha, there it is. Um, and uh, it, it didn't really happen in the West. We've maybe seen some teams come back to the pack. I mean, certainly, like we said, Nashville kind of thrown in the the thrown up the white flag. Winnipeg's coming back. 
Vegas, what's happening with their goaltending with the injuries? And, you know, now it seems like they're going to have to ride Jonathan Quick, who has not been good for a long time. Um, you know, they, they kind of come back to it a little bit. Um, the, the team that probably took the biggest swing is the Kings, and it feels like nobody has taken them seriously as a contender. They're the nice little rebuild story, sneaks into the playoffs last year and, and all of that. It, maybe we need to be looking at them more. I, I've been riding Colorado all year which I know uh, you get no credit for that when you point the defending champs and go, hey, guys, I think the team that won the Stanley Cup might be good. But I've sort of spent most of the year saying until somebody else comes along and shows me definitively they're better than the Avalanche, that, that that's going to be my team. Uh, and and I, I still think I'm there. Obviously, Dallas very good. Uh, we know that you know with what happened last year in the playoffs, the goaltending uh, is uh, is a good situation for them. The offense is there. They they added some pieces at the deadline, um, and then you get to Edmonton, and Edmonton's always the wild card. I, I love the move they made getting Matthias Ekholm. Um, I think that's exactly the sort of you know worry about right now move that they needed to make. Um, but you still you look at the goaltending, you look at the depth, you look at everything, and you go get how far can Connor McDavid drag this team. Uh, probably pretty far, especially in that Pacific division. But at some point, you know, with uh, how how far can they really go? It, it really is wide open. And I know people look at it and they say, man, the, the East is so good. They're so good that, you know, whoever comes out of the West, I mean, what chance do they have against – look at what, what – whoever comes out of the East, look at the path that they're going to have gone through. Even if you – let's say you think it's Boston. Okay, you think Boston's great. They're going to have the wild card. They're going to have Toronto or Tampa, and they're going to have probably a Carolina or New Jersey. It's like that's a real tough path, tough physical hockey. You're going to get to the Western, or you're going to get to the Stanley Cup final against some Western team that maybe has had an easier time of it. Uh, Stanley Cup's right there for the taking, absolutely. You know, as we get to the East, you had a real interesting piece in the Athletic, and people should check it out on the other side of the trade deadline. Some of the things that go along with them being dealt behind the scenes, and you know the effect on players. That being said, this deadline was different than anyone that I can remember. I mean, not only, listen, it was a bit of a dud on deadline day, but that's because everyone had already been traded. I'm interested in your perspective on the arms race, particularly in the East, and, you know, how things shape up post-deadline heading down the stretch. Yeah, exactly. Like, what do we do every year at this time, right? Like, usually... We get you, you. You put together the trade boards. You get all the rumors. You, you start making the connections, and you sit back and you wait for something to happen. Usually, it takes a little while to get going, and then finally, a move gets made. What do we always say, right? We go, "Here we go, the dominoes. The dominoes will start to fall. The other shoe will drop." Whatever metaphor you want, we look at a trade. We say that's the one that's going to get it all started, and then nothing happens. And then something else happens eventually, and you go, okay, now this is the domino that's going to get it. And, it, and it doesn't work that way. This is the year where it really felt like that. It really felt like, um, you know, the the Bo Horvat move kind of kicked it off, but the fact that he went to the Islanders, a, a bit of a fringe playoff team, I, I don't think spooked anyone. But once the move started, you know, once Boston went and got uh, Dmitry Orlov, and, and it almost felt like, here we go. And the Leafs go and get Ryan O'Reilly. And now you're saying, what's Tampa going to do? And okay, we're all waiting. Is it going to be Jersey or Carolina that gets Timo Meyer? And we finally get that answer. Meanwhile, we're all waiting on Patrick Kane and, and all of this stuff. And it, it really did feel like every move led to another one and ratcheted up the pressure on some other team to do something that maybe they, they wouldn't normally have done or, or pay a price that maybe they, they wouldn't normally have. Um, you never really know, but it's, it, it, it's fascinating in the East um, and, and a team that I'm really interested in watching uh, coming out of all this is the one team that didn't make the great big move, which is Carolina. 
we heard they were in on Timo Meyer. We heard they were in on any number of other guys. Um, and yet at the end of the day, they, they, they do a few things. They go and get Kokanemi. They, they, or, uh, rather they, they go, uh, they make their deal with, with Edmonton, right? They get their Kokanemi version 2.0 in, uh, Jesse Pugliarvi. Um, but nothing big, nothing like Timo Meyer, nothing like, you know, there didn't seem to be a big plan B, uh, and you're sitting there going, you know, at the end of this, we might look back and go, man, that was such a good Carolina team, but they stood their ground. They weren't aggressive enough. They didn't do the things they needed to do, and it cost them. Or we could be looking back at the end of this going, oh, look, Carolina was the best team all along. Everybody else was panicking and throwing around picks and making crazy moves. They just trusted what they had, and it turned out to be the right thing. It's it's one of those great things. makes my job easy because I get to wait and see the answer, and then I get to sit there with my arms crossed and look really smart and tell you what they should have done. You know, we've been looking forward to um, this Toronto-Tampa series. I mean, I joked that they could have probably put tickets on sale for the first round in mid-November because, I mean, this has been a fait accompli. Uh, Tampa makes some wild moves, and obviously the Tanners, you know, gave us lots to talk about. But Toronto's moves, I mean, they've turned over about a third of their roster right now. Is this Kyle Dubas getting, trying to get that right mix and knowing that this is a great team and they've got a good chance to do it, or... Is this a matter of going out with all guns blazing if you know that, um, you know, like many people think that his job and so many others are on the line if they can't get out of the first round once again? Yep. I mean, I think it's a little bit of both, uh, and and it should be. I mean, look, I, I, I don't think this is Kyle Dubas just being first and foremost worried about his own job security, although every GM worries about that. Um, I, I think this is him looking at not just – himself as the GM of the Leafs, but this this whole setup, this everything that they've got, and you just say, look, it's got to happen this year. Failure is not an option. Um, if this if this core fails again, then th- that's it probably not just for Kyle Dubas, maybe for Sheldon Keefe, maybe for Brendan Shanahan, maybe for who knows who else in that front office, and not to mention the core itself. I mean, we know we got uh, the Leafs got contracts coming up, uh, who knows whether somebody new coming in is going to say, I'm going to break this thing up and we're going to either start over again or at least go in a new direction. And, it, you know, it does feel like Kyle Dubas sat there and said, you know what, if the, the, it, I have staked my reputation on this core. Um, it, you know, it's it's been very clear for years and years now. We, we saw it, the big contracts got handed out. You know, a lot of other places, there would have been really tough negotiations when you got guys like Mitch Marner asking for the moon the Leafs gave him the moon. They gave the they gave Austin Matthews the shorter contract that he wanted to get him to free agency a bit earlier. Uh, they bent over backwards for these guys. And then every year after year, the Leafs would fail in the playoffs. And Kyle Dubas would get up there at the postseason press conference and say, we're not changing it. We're not changing the core. We believe in these guys. Um, all of that. It, it feels like this is the year it comes to a head. And so, yeah, he made a bunch of changes, brought in a bunch of um, additional names, shipped some guys out, didn't touch the core. Core is still in place, and it's and those are still the guys that are going to determine it. Um, it brings in, you know, really, I would argue Ryan O'Reilly's the guy who could be a difference maker. The rest, it's 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 a little bit of shuffling deck chairs. It's a little bit of you know the the phrase you heard a lot in Toronto was getting the right mix. Um, and it was interesting to me that a, a, a team that for so many years has said, no, no, we're good, we're good, we we like our guys, you know, we think we got the right path. At this, what probably is the last deadline for the group makes these big changes and obviously maybe the mix wasn't there um they've done all they can do you would assume uh but at the end of the day it's going to be down to that core 
It's going to be down to, you know, does Austin Matthews or Mitch Marner or somebody take over a series the way that we've seen stars do in the past, but never, never for Toronto. Um, and then maybe it also comes down to the goaltending where you sit there and go, man, they got six or seven new names in the lineup, but it's still Ilya Samsonov against Andre Vasilevsky. And, you know, maybe, maybe that's as far as the analysis needs to go. <laughs> Sean McIndoo's with us from the athletic. Make sure you're giving him a follow on Twitter at down goes Brown. It's just nuts. We're, 20 games remaining in the regular season, and the Boston Bruins still only have eight regulation losses on the year. Uh, as good as the East is, and as much as every team is loaded up, what's it going to take to beat the Boston Bruins in a best of seven? You know what? It's uh, it, it, they've they've been phenomenal, and and yet you know even when you factor in the loser point, the shootouts, and all this stuff, and it's hard to compare them to the '70s Canadians. It, this is just an absolute fantastic team. Uh, they're a steamroller. Uh, you know, we we saw them have that one. You know, they had like a bad week you know, where they lost four out of five. I think that's the only time they've lost four out of seven all season long. So that gives you a sense of what you're up against if you play them in the playoffs. Um, this is just a, you know, this is what happens when you have a well-designed team, well-coached. Um, they have they had stayed reasonably healthy after they got over that first hump where we knew there were some guys out, and and that's changed a little bit now. Taylor Hall and Nick Foligno out, so you know we'll see where they go there. But it just feels like all the pieces were in place, and all those pieces are all having great years. Uh, this is this is what happens where you know there, there's nobody you would point to and say, oh that guy's not pulling his weight. Everybody is doing exactly what you would expect or more. You know, David Pasternak's taking the next step. Linus Allmark, we didn't think was going to be a Vezina level guy. Um, they're well coached. They're well built. Uh, it's fantastic. And uh, yet this is the NHL in the cap era, the parody era. Gary Bedman loves it when we go into the playoffs and you never know any given night and, and all of that stuff. I mean, back when I was growing up, when you had the Islanders or the Oilers who were was running away, I mean, you knew that they had an easy path uh, to to at least go deep into the playoffs. They they a lot of those teams they wouldn't lose a game until the third round of the playoffs. It's not it's not the case anymore. And you know, you said what's it going to take? Hey, we could break down a whole bunch of X's and O's and matchups and say this is the type of team. But you know what it might take is just some goalie gets hot for a week. And that's it. And I mean, that that would just be the most NHL result ever to have the Boston Bruins rack up 125 points, roll into the playoffs, home ice through the playoffs, and then get shut down by like Craig Anderson or somebody like that because he just goes on a heater, gives 980 goaltending, and you're left sitting there going, you know, what happened? We saw it a few years ago with Tampa. Uh, we've seen it with other teams. Some people love that, the unpredictability. Some people kind of cringe at it and go, what, I, what is this regular season even for if it's not telling us anything? Um, but the reality is I, I know if I'm a Bruins fan, I'm loving this season and I'm not feeling confident at all going into the playoffs just because this is the NHL where who knows what's going to happen once they start playing those games. Well, uh, Boston and Carolina are going to get wildcard teams in the first round and the, the wildcard race in the East is fascinating. You've got the Islanders and Pittsburgh in spots right now. Florida has been underwhelming all season long, and they played more games, so they're in tough. And then you've got two upstart teams, Buffalo and Ottawa, that seem to get on runs and then lose games that you think that they would actually win. How do you handicap this wild race for um, those final two spots in the East? Yeah, it is it is a tough one, right? And, and it's, uh, you know, so much of it goes against... Um, you know, what What we love in the media as far as the stories. I mean, Buffalo and Ottawa are great stories. They're the underdogs. Buffalo hasn't made the playoffs in forever. Ottawa, even three weeks ago, looked like they were absolutely done. Um, you know, 
how could you not cheer for those underdogs to, to go and get in? And yet you've got, you know, there, there's the boring old Islanders uh, just, you know, churning away, playing low scoring hockey, but yet again, not quite as low scoring as maybe you think if you don't watch them and, and they're holding down the spot and they look like they're real comfortable. But then you look at the games played and you go, wait a second, everyone's got a few games on these guys. Pittsburgh. I mean, geez, the deadline, we're all ready to write Pittsburgh off. I mean, it, the, I mean, you would think Ron Hextel had built a dead last place team based on the the reaction of the the moves that he made and didn't make. And yet, you know, Pittsburgh's looking pretty comfortable. I, I still think it's Florida. If anyone is going to jump up and get that spot, Ottawa, man, they, they had such a good week and it just tells you how crazy the race is that one week, like they had, they beat, beat Detroit back to back, beat Detroit so bad. Detroit basically quits on the playoff race at the deadline. They go and they beat the Rangers, beat Columbus, and you're sitting there going, man, these guys are these guys are rolling. This is great. And they lose to the Blackhawks. Uh, and and it's and in the two nights since then, it's almost like every result has gone the wrong way for the Senators. So it's tough. And the Sabres, again, really in tough, just not getting those. You know, every night it feels like there's a game where you go, man, if they get the two points here, they, they could really have something. Uh, hasn't happened yet, even as, as you know, I, I feel like everyone's kind of rooting for them because we want to see this group go into a playoffs um at the end of the day i i think it's going to be i still think florida gets in and i i don't know whose spot they take we might find out tonight because we got the uh, pittsburgh and the islanders uh playing in a uh, a game where every other team in the, that's chasing them is going just don't let it be a three-point game uh and you know it's going to be you know they're, you know this one's going See they might as well in start in overtime exactly <laughs> just 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 start the game in overtime and save us all the time well, I can tell you what, I mean, that team up here, your way, Ottawa, you know, you win five in a row and then boom, as you mentioned, you lose five, nothing to the Blackhawks. Can you, can you take this team Can't seriously? Take one and- night off in this, in this league. I mean, it's just, and, and with, you know, I know Bettman loves his loser point. No, it makes the races closer. No, it doesn't. It makes them tougher is what it does. Because how many times do you see it where you're a team, you're chasing a playoff spot and you have a good run. You go 3-0-1 for a week, and you go, wow, you, you, we're doing pretty good. And you look at the standings, and you go, well, we gained one point. you know. And, and then you lose a game in regulation, and there goes everything you just gained and more. Uh, it's it's really tough to chase, and especially in the East where you're chasing multiple teams. So it's not even – you can't count on one team to fall back. Uh, you got to really slam on the gas. And uh, we've seen it a bit from those teams. Not quite enough, but there's still time. Sean, it's so great to have you back on the program. Uh, thanks so much for doing this, and uh, maybe we can hook up in and around the playoffs. It sure is going to be exciting once we get down to the final 16. Thanks for your time. Hey, thanks for having me. All right, great stuff with Down Goes Brown. Appreciate him joining us on the program today. Zach Benson from the ice coming up in just a second, and your chance to win tickets to that big game on Friday where they'll be wearing those really cool bomber jerseys um, for uh, the game against Edmonton. Got to give a shout-out to our friends over at Boston Pizza. Even as a, a, a downer after the game last night, always great to meet friends, have a couple cold ones, and a great gourmet pizza at BP. Um, of course, don't forget those Boston's wings, cactus cuts, my personal favorite, and some great new features on the seasonal menu. Uh, and, of course, if you're not able to get out to Boston Pizza, you can always get the great taste of BP delivered citywide by ordering online at bostonpizza.com. And a big thanks again to Nick and Nikki for that great anniversary cake for the second birthday of Winnipeg Sports Talk yesterday. Uh, If you're thinking about a party or an event coming up, it's always better with the DQ ice cream or blizzard cake. Check them out on Instagram at DQ Manitoba. Send them a message if you'd like to get a custom cake done like the one they did for us yesterday. 
for a quick and easy pickup at any of the four city and Manitoba Nick and Nicky DQs, DQ Niverville, DQ Northgate, DQ Polo Park, and DQ St. Anne's, and grab a flamethrower burger while you're there to pick up that cake. All right. Uh, we do have some tickets to give away. So as we get into Zach Benson, keep an eye on the chat. If you're able to go, we've got two pairs of tickets for the uh, bomber theme night at the Ice Cave coming up on Friday. Um, if you're able to go to the game, enter. We've got two pairs, so we'll spin the wheel of winners twice. One for a pair for our first winner and same for the second one. Uh, and we'll do that right after. We welcome in top NHL draft prospect and ice scoring leader, Zach Benson. Zach, it's great to have you on Winnipeg Sports Talk for the first time. Congrats on a great season, and thanks for being here. Yeah, thank you. Thanks for having me. You know, it has been so much fun watching you, um, you know, grow from, uh, you know, a 15-year-old that got a few games into one of the top players in the league. Um, but holy smokes, this team just keeps going. 50th win earlier this year, uh, this week for even getting 10 losses losses on the season. Tell us a little bit about, from a team perspective, just how well it's gone for you in the ice and how much fun you guys are having winning almost every night. Yeah, we got a pretty special group here. Um, you know, we kind of knew that coming into this year that uh, we, had a, we had a good group and we could do some special things. So, um, you know, I think the number one thing with this team is uh, everyone on this team is having fun. Um, everyone's showing up to the rink uh, every day with a smile. So, um, you know, we're having fun right now, and uh, we look to keep having fun. I can't imagine there's much more fun than uh, winning at the rate you guys have been. Um, listen, it's been a build ever since you joined the club, getting better and better each year. A nice playoff run last year that maybe was a bit ahead of schedule. Um, but, man, this it, it's not easy to continue playing at that level. I, we've talked to James Patrick before, but I'm interested in your perspective being on the front lines. What have been the keys to the – consistent excellence that the ice have um, shown so far up until this point of the year? Yeah, I think it's, um, you know, a lot to do with our chemistry. Um, we're everyone in this room uh, is brothers. Um, we all love each other. So um, I think that has a, the biggest part uh, to it. And then I think uh, everyone's work ethic, um, everyone's showing up to the rink every day to get better. Um, everyone's having fun doing it. So um, those are probably the biggest two things. Now, uh, Zach, you were uh, on a line with uh, Connor McLennan and Matt Savoy and uh, have uh, you know continued lighting it up. Um, did you think you'd be in the position that you were? Or did you have goals going in? I mean, listen, everyone's talking about Connor Bedard, but we're also talking about how great this draft class is. And um, you were right up there, but I'm sure your teammates are a big, big part of what you've been able to do offensively this season. Yeah, absolutely. Um, you know, we got a special team and then, uh, you know, our line, me, Sav, and Klenner has kind of been clicking um, for most of the year. So um, we're having lots of fun doing it. Um, and, uh, you know, we're getting into the, the most important uh, kind of games here coming up. Well, and of course, and we'll be all over what will hopefully be a long playoff run at the uh, Ice Cave as you guys go for a Western Hockey League title and potentially a trip to the Memorial Cup. Um, but another huge part of this season for you is your draft year. I've just got to ask you as a top draft prospect, someone that we knew would be in these conversations, how different has this year been for you knowing that you're going to hear your name called in Nashville in a few months and how has that changed anything for you or you're still just trying to focus on being the best player and go out there and help your team win every night? Um, yeah, obviously um, the draft's kind of in the back of my mind, but uh to be honest, I don't really think about it too much. I go out there, um, you know, I try and work my hardest every night, uh, play my game, uh, be as consistent uh, as I can be. 
Um, so, um, you know, it's obviously in the back of my mind, but I don't really think about it too much. I, I, I mean, on a day-to-day basis, when you guys are traveling, I mean, scouts, I mean, there are more people trying to talk to you. I mean, has it all been different sort of off the ice, just with preparations, as well as, you know, people from NHL organizations that want to get to know you a little bit better as a young man? Um, yeah, absolutely. Um, definitely a lot more conversations after games. Um, even when I'm, uh, after a long school day, um, you know, lots of zoom calls. So, um, I've enjoyed the process so far. Um, I think it's fun. Um, kind of a hockey nerd. So I think all of it's pretty cool and, uh, I'm enjoying it so far. You have, uh, you know, a few teammates that have been through this before and, uh, that have been first rounders in the national hockey league. Uh, how have guys like Lambos and geeky and, uh, Sav, uh, help you with um, with what you're going through this year? Yeah, they've helped me a ton. Um, just talking to Sav and Geeks and um, Lam all about uh, just the little things. Um, you know, Sav always asked me, um, what was that like? What was this like? So um, just having that kind of support uh, means a lot to me. And, uh, you know, it makes uh, it a lot easier for me. Uh, Zach, let's uh, focus in on this weekend. Um, a couple more big games. I mean, you guys have just continued to play at such a great level. Um, I imagine you're thinking and really looking forward to the playoffs, but what's the message from uh, James Patrick to your club about focusing in and getting the job done each and every day, both in practice and when you're playing against teams that might be way, way below you in the standings? Um, yeah, every game's important in this league. Um, you know, we're taking every game. Um, very serious, especially now, um, you know, we're starting to ramp it up, get into playoff mode. So that's kind of James's uh, message to us is just that uh, it's, it's playoff time. We're getting in playoff mode. Uh, you know, it can't, you can't just turn it on when uh, game one of the playoffs starts. So um, it starts right now. You know, we were talking about some of the experience of your teammates uh, when it comes to the draft. Um, when it comes to playing pro hockey, uh, your head coach, James Patrick, has a ton of it. And, you know, I remember a, a conversation we had early in Winnipeg Sports Talk when you had just sort of become a regular with the Winnipeg Ice. And James was talking about, you know, you for such a young player, what you brought to it. Um, you've certainly grown, obviously, over the last couple of seasons. But um, if you can, tell us about how James Patrick and the coaching staff has helped you grow as a player to where you're at right now and how much you're helping this team on the ice. Um, yeah, he's helped me a ton. Um, you know, when I was 15 years old, um, I wasn't um, the strongest. I wasn't the biggest. Um, but uh, he just helped me a ton. He gave me tips on how to get stronger, um, where to get stronger. And, um, you know, my defensive game, too. He kind of harped on the <clears throat> defensive side of the game. <clears throat> so, um, I think that's played a huge piece um, kind of for me. Um, now I get to play on the PK, power play, all situation type of player. So um, I credit a lot to that to James. And then uh, also uh, Josh Green last year. And then uh, Terrace McEwen uh, this year has helped me a ton as well. Zach Benson, uh, second leading scorer in the Western Hockey League, top NHL draft prospect, and uh, the Ice's leading scorer with us. Don't forget Friday and Sunday at the Ice Cave two big games for the ice now back after that monster road trip. Um, Zach, you mentioned zoom calls in school. I, I mean, for someone that has so much on your plate, fill me in on uh, what an average day, a non game day is like for you when you do have a practice, how does school work? And uh, what are you doing outside of both hockey and your studies? Um, yeah, I guess uh, I wake up at around, uh, I don't know, nine show up to the rink. Um, 9.30-ish, uh, we practice at 10. Um, then practice, it depends how long it goes, but after practice, I'll get out of there, um, go get some lunch, 
Um, then I'll head to school. I've, uh, I think it's three hours at school. Um, then I'll go home, uh, have a little snack, uh, hang out with the billets. Um, and then it, from there, it always changes. Um, if I have a zoom call, I'll do that. Um, if not, I'll, um, maybe go to the ODR with, uh, my billet brothers or, um, go to their hockey games or hockey practices. Still have time for the rink, even when you're, it's not ice stuff, huh? Yeah. Hey, you know what? That just shows that you love it, and that is uh, what it's all about. Got another question for you. I, I think back to um, years ago when every long bus ride in junior hockey seemed to be watching Slapshot for the millionth time. Uh, movies on the bus. Technology's a lot different right now. Nobody travels more than the Winnipeg Ice. How do you and your teammates occupy yourselves on the bus, and uh, what's been uh, what's been most popular amongst your teammates? Are you guys playing games? Are you watching movies like before? Or are you putting your headphones on and trying to get away from the guys for a little bit after being with them in the same room or on the bench for six hours? Yeah, kind of a little bit of everything. Um, lately, we've been watching uh, movies as a group, um, but uh, sometimes you're just putting your headphones in or talking to your um, bus bus stall mates um, or you're playing games with the guys. So um, it always changes. But, uh, you know, all three uh, all three things are, uh, I think, important. What's the number one game that you guys are playing? I mean, is it shoot 'em ups or uh, is it NHL battles and uh, who's got the belt? Um, yeah, some guys uh, bring their Xboxes on the, the bus and um, I think get to into uh, pretty intense battles. So. Um, in NHL, FIFA, uh, Madden, kind of all the sports games. Jeez, that now this is my kind of thing. Everyone always wants to play these gun games, Call of Duty. I can hang with the ice right now. These are my top three. Yeah. Throw the challenge out after the season at some point. Um, Zach, listen, this has been a heck of a lot of fun. Um, back to your team, though, and this focus going in down the stretch. Um, how excited are you guys to get another crack at some of the top teams in the Western Hockey League after a great run that fell just short of your goal last season? Um, yeah, I think everyone in this room is um, extremely excited. Um, we know we got the talent in this room. Um, you know, everyone's having fun, so that's probably the most important thing. Um, but, uh, you know, knowing the way we went out last year, um, you know, we're not going to want to go out that way again. So, um, you know, everyone in this room is uh, hungry, and, uh, you know, we want to we wanna go the stretch. Hey, before we go, uh, have you peeped those uh, bomber-themed jerseys that you and the uh, boys are going to be playing on on Friday? And what would you think of them? Yeah, actually, I just saw them... Uh, just before this and uh i thought they were extremely cool so i'm pretty pumped to throw that jersey over uh my head tomorrow night no doubt about it and i know there is an auction in support of one of the ice charities uh for those jerseys afterwards and i have a feeling that number nine benson will be one uh, that will be in high demand zach listen congratulations on a great season so far i know there's lots of work left to do for you and your squad we'll wish you and the boys luck on the weekend and uh hopefully we can catch up in the coming months to talk about a great playoff run for the ice and of course a very very exciting time for you and your family as we get closer to the nhl draft in nashville yeah, thank you. I appreciate it. Oh, man, what a fun chat with Zach Benson. If you have not seen this young man play, you're, well, you're going to be seeing him play in the National Hockey League in a few years. Uh, but get out to the ice cave. And last call, exclamation mark tickets right now if you want to win some tickets for tonight's game. While we uh, get that set up, let's take a quick look at the Cool Bet Lines Got a lot going on right now. Players championship going on. The uh, end of the opening, uh, the round robin of the Briar. And a busy, busy night in the National Hockey League with, uh, what, she's about 10 games. We've got Dallas and Buffalo. 
Dallas a minus 166 favorite in upstate New York against the Sabres. Uh, Hurricanes, massive, minus 415 favorite home against the Flyers. Rangers, minus 278 road faves against the Habs. The Pittsburgh Penguins, huge game tonight between the Islanders and the Penguins. Um, Probably be a three-point game. Maybe they'll do the handshake deal beforehand. See you guys in overtime uh, because both teams are holding down those final two wildcard spots. Penguins, minus 139 at home. Isles, plus 118. Uh, The Lightning hosting the Vegas Golden Knights. Tampa, minus 175 faves. The Devils, minus 149 favorites on the road in Washington to take on the Capitals. The Boston Bruins are going to be here a week today. Are hosting the Edmonton Oilers. Obviously, Boston the favorite in this one, minus 166. Edmonton, plus 140 on the road. Sharks and Blues tonight. Blues, minus 150 home favorites. The Nashville Predators, just six points back of the Winnipeg Jets. Minus 168 favorites in Arizona to take on the Coyotes. Uh, the Avalanche minus 152 faves at home against the LA Kings. And the Sens and Kraken go at it in Seattle. Kraken minus 132 favorites. Uh, give you a quick update from the Players' Championship right now. My picks are terrible. Just a quick update on that. Roy <laughs> McElroy was uh, <laughs> 76 today. Shocking start. Chad Ramey, the leader, 8 under 64 <laughs> One shot better than Colin Morikawa. And then at third, our Coolbet guy. Coolbet sponsored Canadian Taylor Pendrith with a hell of an opening round, a five under 67th. He is alone in a third right now. Players still on the course at TPC Sawgrass, but a few Canadian flags up at Adam uh, up on the leaderboard. Adam Svensson tied for fourth at four under right now. Uh, not as great of a day for Corey Connors. He was three over, and Canadian Adam Hadwin in the clubhouse, tied for 25th at one under par. Um, Remo, let's uh, give away some tickets for this ice game on the weekend. Sure. I got them. Got a nice, got a, not a ton of entries, but people put their names in. Appreciate everyone who did. Well, yeah. I mean, listen, we don't want people entering if they can't go to the game. So if yeah. you're geek to go, uh, you, you got in there, and we're going to spin it twice. We had a pair of tickets for both. Again, if you win, what you're going to need to do is uh, just send us an email at winnipegsportstalk at gmail.com, and then uh, we'll have Munzee fire you over a pair of tickets for the game coming up on Friday night. And if you have not seen them, you recall the Bombers' third jerseys that um, they've been wearing the last, like, was it last two years or just last year? I guess just last year. Um, the ice are wearing a jersey of those. I know they're doing an auction right now for those as well. Wouldn't mind. I think I may have to make a bid on the Zach Benson are you jersey bid? after he just joined us. I am going to bid. I'm going to bid on a couple of them, I think. I would love to get one of those jerseys. It would be uh, really cool. You can wear it to ice games, but uh, also would look pretty damn good at a bomber game as well. Yeah, I think, yeah, well, I'm kind of curious which one. It does look pretty, I mean, it's almost one of a kind. Like, you couldn't buy that in a store. It's game-worn ice. Exactly. Yeah. They're pretty sick. Let me pull them up right here. Uh, I think they they tweeted. Anyways, I'll do the wheel of. Yeah, let's do it. A little wheel of winners. Two pairs of tickets for Friday's game. Wearing the bomber jerseys, and check out the ice website because they do have uh, uh, an option to bid on these jerseys. Um, uh, with I believe the proceeds going to one of the ice charities. But uh, shout out to everyone that entered. 
Let's uh, spin for our first pair of tickets for uh, Ice Edmonton wearing the blue and gold on uh, Friday night in the ice cave. And the spin is taking place, and it is Jeff Bowes. Up, Jeff. Jeff, congratulations. We got a pair for you. Bravo, Bri. So close. But, uh, yeah, Jeff, send us an email uh, just with the email for us to send the tickets to, and uh, we'll get those sent to you before Friday. Uh, all right. So uh, Jeff Bowes is out. If Jeff comes up again, um, or does I, he I get taken him, out? I after? took him out. I took him out. Oh, perfect, perfect. All right. Well, good luck to everyone else that uh, is in for the Friday tickets. Here's one more spin for one more pair. Oh, a couple hiccups there on this wheel. And it is Bones. Bones might be busy in Florida. Uh, <laughs> obviously, who's ever Bones, just take a screen cap of that. that that's your account and uh, email us. We'll get you set up for those tickets. Thanks again to Zach Benson for jumping on the show today. And thanks for Munzee for uh, uh, the tickets. Big weekend, Friday and then Sunday at 5 against the Brandon Weekings. Uh, and, of course, the Ice just won their 50th game of the season 50 and nine on the year. Just an incredible run. Cannot wait for some playoff hockey down at the ice cave. Fingers crossed. We'll have playoff hockey with the big club. Moose have been playing well. They're on the West coast right now, um, but uh, playing some real good hockey as well. Certainly catch up with the moose on the road at some point next week with, uh, with Dan Fink. Uh, well, remote, we got through today, tomorrow, it's all about this upcoming road trip for the Winnipeg Jets. And uh, we'll have Ken Weeb join us from Florida. Weeb's world with his thoughts on the latest on the Winnipeg Jets. Scott Billick as well. And you wrestling fans, AEW next Wednesday. We're going to have Winnipeg's own Don Callis on the program. Cannot wait for that. We'll do that before we uh, we drop the marbles uh, tomorrow afternoon. It's going to be a real fun show. Yeah. Oh, that's going to be. I'm getting pumped for this AEW next week i'm gonna be it's my first time leaving the house in a while and i'm just kidding but i'll be going uh going with you here here's these jerseys here these bomber ice jerseys look how how nice these are huh? <laughs> those are great i think zach a staff chuck and they're get- uh, with a football I mean, yeah those are beautiful so they're getting up there huss in price i mean zach benson is at 525 right now like get get ready you have to empty your wallet for these 525 what's the savoy Okay, Connor Geeky six fifty, Savoy's four seventy five. I think that's Val. Connor McLennan's three seventy five. How about the, the one I liked was the blank thirty three. Uh, that's six hundred. Oh, they're, they're they're smart. They're like, yeah, well, who, who's a player? It's Andrew Harris. Yeah. And then, speaking of Andrew Harris, he's going to be on the show next week as well for you uh, fans of true. Andrew Harris and the CFL. Look forward to that. So, yeah, there's. Bunch of jerseys. I'm curious how these go. These are really nice jerseys. The uh, most expensive one right now, Daniel Hauser, uh, the goaltender, has going for 800. Ooh. Wow. Yeah. Well, uh, one of a kind. Ice bomber jerseys based on the bombers' third uh, third uni, looking pretty good. And uh, the fellows will be wearing that Friday night as they look for. Win number 51 on the season. Um, so anyways, congratulations to the winners. Uh, Jeff and Bones, send us the email. Remo will get those tickets sent over to you. <laughs> Christopher, Matt, how much for a Legio? 
I don't believe there's a there's a legio in there, but there is that blank 33. So we'll see what happens. Uh, we'll see what happens with that. Pretty cool jersey though. This would look a hell good at a, a bomber game coming up this year. Yeah, I was gonna say. Speaking of jerseys, uh, people are asking for Remo's rant. Uh, apparently, this is an end of show segment. Uh, here's today's. Do you have anything to rant on? Well, it's a World Baseball Classic. I haven't really been paying attention, but uh, Team Canada they have you know showed off their new jerseys made by Under Armour. Oh Armor. my God, I saw these. These might be the worst jerseys in base. Like, like the jersey is like regular adult size, but the font on it's like it was supposed to be the font on a toddler jersey. <laughs> like someone, and it's got these weird like neck lines. Sorry, podcast listeners, but. It's a red jersey and like Blue Jay style font. I think those are fake buttons too. Yeah, yeah, it's fake. Exactly, they're fake buttons on the front. Like this is the dumbest thing I've ever seen. And Canada used to have awesome jerseys like these. Like who made these? Have they never seen a jersey before? Like why is the font so small Under on the chest? Them, apparently, they've never and they've never made jerseys, right? They're not really a jersey manufacturer. It's it's all new to me. These suck. They had good jerseys before, so uh, it is World Baseball Classic. I did see a nice story from uh, Shai DeVito and Adam Lowen. You know, a lot of the Canada guys who I grew up watching, like when the World Baseball Classic first came out, are kind of aging out of it, and they don't really have like they don't really have like a full new crop of stars. Like Canada was pretty good. Remember, didn't they get in a fight one year? At uh, baseball class, and like Larry Walker, like strangled the guy. Yeah, that's right. <laughs> so, um, these Canada jerseys, like these, are embarrassing. So, who I don't know who who made the decision on this, but uh, they did not like. Did have they never seen a jersey? Have they never like do any testing with like jersey fanatics? Be like, no, no, these these suck. No, well, and you know what? You know what? You would have also had a rant if you tuned into the first game the other day between uh, Cuba and Netherlands playing out in uh, Taipei, I think. Yeah. There was a Cuban guy right behind the, right behind the, uh, the um, uh, plate with, uh, with an air horn that did not stop going off throughout the entire first couple innings. Anyone that was watching the game was tweeting about it, how annoying it was, and you either had to just turn the volume down or change the channel, uh, which I did. But I will look forward to seeing Canada. They're, I mean, they're in uh, with USA, with Mexico. Uh, they should get a win against Great Britain. Um, but, yeah, we'll certainly be up against it to, uh, to make it out. One other thing before we go. Today, um, they're talking, the, uh, some of the members of the women's national soccer team are talking to MPs in Ottawa. And listen to these quotes from Christine Sinclair. On a personal note, I've never been more insulted than I was by Canada Soccer's own president, Nick Bontis, last year as we met with him to discuss our concerns. I was tasked with outlining our compensation ask on behalf of the women's national team. The president of Canada Soccer listened to what I had to say and then later in the meeting referred back to it as, quote, what was it Christine was bitching about? I mean, just an absolutely terrible look. Um, and Janine Becky saying essentially this Canada soccer business deal that has been such a big topic uh, was essentially Canada soccer themselves betting against the success of their own national teams. And it has absolutely blown up in their face. 
Glad that this is getting uh, looked at in Ottawa, and hopefully something can be done ASAP because these women deserve it. They've had such an incredible run, are going to the World Cup, will have a chance to get back onto the podium, uh, and they should not be dealing with this sort of stuff right now, just months in front of the biggest tournament of their careers. Yeah, what's going on with our national teams? You had the Hockey Canada stuff before... Um, you know, baseball can't even get uh, proper size jerseys, and now with the soccer, um, you have the what, at Parliament talking about this poor deal, and we've talked about the inability to buy merch uh, for Canada soccer. Um, you know, the broadcast deal being looked at as well. I mean, you had players on the men's and women's team like boycotting their own federation. What a what a situation here to use a term yeah. that's been frequently. Uh, typed in chat but to quote roscoe pico train yeah. in the wst chat so i mean there'll be a lot of that both on sports uh programs i would imagine as well as on the news tonight considering it taking place on uh, on parliament hill big night in the national hockey league enjoy the scoreboard watching everyone uh, tomorrow on the programs we mentioned ken weeb in florida scott billick on the winnipeg jets and Winnipeg's own Don Callis to get us ready for AEW next week at Canada Life Center. And, of course, we'll drop the marbles as well. Thanks for being with us. Great show today. Good stuff from Remus. Thanks to Zach Benson, Sean McIndoe, Rennie, and Brandon Rewicki for jumping on the show today. Tomorrow, big Friday show. Don't miss it. We'll see you at 1 tomorrow on Winnipeg Sports Talk. Thanks for being with us. Oh, my God. Shut it down. Thanks for tuning in to Winnipeg Sports Talk Daily. Make sure to subscribe on YouTube and your favorite podcast feed at winnipegsportstalk.com.